G'day Squig Bosses, AOS Coach here and we are talking about the Gloom Spike Gits. Two weeks ago we did a episode focused around the Trogoths and the Spiders. It is a big book, there's a lot of synergy and we've broken this up into two parts and this episode we are going to focus more on Squigs and we're going to focus more on Moon Clan. Not to say we won't talk Trogs or Spiders but we'll probably put a bit more focus and flavour on those two types of builds. Um, my guest today is Stuart the Iron Gitsman McCowan, uh, who is a notorious squig researcher and did he didn't know I did this introduction and uh, recently <laughs> went four and one at CanCon before the new book. So he's not running the most busted stuff, winning tournaments, uh, did incredibly well with the old book before we had grand strategies, before we had battle tactics. Um, KenCon is one of the world's largest events, and um, you did it with Squig Hoppers, which of all things people aren't talking about. So Stu and I are going to talk about Gits. Uh, Moon Clan and Squigs are my favorite types of builds. So we'll talk a bit about how we're seeing the book and uh, to where was it? Um, I want to call out this shout, this comment from Grumdy. Uh, looking forward to understanding how we'll all be losing to Gits for the foreseeable future. Not quite like that just yet, but uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. So if you are... Uh, on the other side of the fence and you're like, how do I beat Gits? Um, we'll share a bit about the synergies and the combinations mm -hmm. and maybe what to expect. But Stu, g'day, welcome, shout out, introduce yourself, and people can find more about you on your YouTube channel. Yep, so if you want to watch more of my stuff, um, later this week I'll be doing a, a Gloom Spike Gits like A to Z, so I'll be going through every war scroll in detail and doing a bit of like a tier list. Uh, so you can check that out on uh, youtube.com uh, slash at Iron Gutsman. They use tags now um yeah i'll be doing that um i'm of course happy today to be talking about squeaks which is the best army in age of sigma They're without so a doubt good. in my mind <laughs> they're so good i was running them in 2019 and just like thoroughly frustrated on movement like the amount of times <laughs> i the amount of times that mangler squeak failed me with like a roll of a four or a five with movement and then my army just sits there and gets shot off by gisales and things like that i'm like if, give me some consistency, but don't give me a flat movement. But this is your show, man. I, I've already talked a lot about Gits, but how you feeling about this book? Um, I uh, Well, it's interesting because obviously last edition we had a situation where um, I think the book could handle itself very well on the board. Like we could easily like have a brawl in the middle and like sometimes overcome our opponent. But I look at the score at the end of the game and I'd be like losing by like 15 points because we had no battle tactics and grand strategies. Um, and that meant it was just really hard to score points. And scoring points is how you win Age of Sigma. Um, so uh, obviously we've got a new book now with, with grand strats and, and, and battle tactics. And honestly, if we had nothing else, I would be happy with just that, like from the old book um, with Squeak Hoppers. Now the other sides of the book, like, uh, you know, Trogs and Squigs and stuff, I think needed some more love, but... The, the the state of 30 squeak hoppers before this book was already really good um in my opinion um especially after that uh you know green crack came out and we got the pile in on death i was already feeling really good about it um and then this new book comes out and we'll get into it but yeah the hoppers got more buff than anything else in the book even though they were in my opinion already the best thing so that, that's the situation you are you are a massive fan, and I would have thought you've been sniffing too many like loon like loon mushrooms or something. But you've obviously proven um, that squig hoppers do incredibly well. But 
what I've been really excited about is there are good builds I can build around Boing Grot Bounders, Hoppers, Squig Herd. And I know Squig Herd's got a lot of the noise, like people running 36, mm. 72. They're just doing as many Squig Herd as humanly possible. But I've also been looking at the other side, the Moon Clan side, and there's some good builds. You can still build around mm. some really interesting combinations and some some units actually got changed for the better. So I'm feeling positive. Um, and before we get into the conversation, folks, this is pre-FAQ. So yep. we don't know if any points are going to change. We don't know if any rules are going to change. Uh, if you ask Twitter, they would say that uh, Scrag Rot is too cheap. They would say uh, Squig Herd are uh, doing too many mortal wounds for their cost. So maybe Squig Herd are going to go up. Maybe they will do mortals on threes or fours. We don't know what's going to happen. We're talking currently. So uh, my advice to anyone, as I've said in this Discord, is if you own 72 Squigs, awesome. Run your Squig Herd to your life's content. If you don't, maybe just hold off until the FAQ drops to see the state of play. Would you agree, Stuart? Yeah, and I would say the same for 30 squeak hoppers. Like, don't go and buy three units of 10 squeak hoppers and assemble them to be squeak hoppers just yet. Just keep it in the back of your mind and uh, yeah, have a look after the FAQ, I think. Yeah. And, and you do have a YouTube, a great YouTube channel, by the way. I would recommend it. Uh, the link is in the episode description, so check it out. Uh, go sub to Stu. Um, very, very good. And he also knows mustard. All right. <laughs> the chat's going off. So we went from the slum house to the penthouse, right? Like, that, let's be real. We were the bottom faction. Like, when you look at, like, performance ladders, we were in the top three, the bottom three easily. And now we are causing people nightmares. Why? Why is it that people are freaking out about Gloob Spite? Are we that good? Or is it people just have forgotten how to play us and they're, they're going to, like, have to have that experience first and then they'll learn? I think um, basically what's happened is um, from the designer's point of view, I think that they've not entirely understood how the old book used to work. Um, and, and I say that because the old book used to be like a five turn army where you would like grind and eventually actually beat your opponent on the board. Um, so we, we had actually no issue in a fight. It was just like keeping up on points and doing enough damage in the early game. Okay, so what they've done is they've front-loaded the damage. So now, like, everything just does a million damage. And then also they've made the durability better. And so now we're in a situation where not only are we a five-turn army that just wins the grind, we also just win early game. Um, so it's it's hard to see a weakness um, immediately from the army. We'll get into some, like, some interesting spots where there are weaknesses, but um just in terms of like general flow of the game it's hard to see where there is a weakness to some of these armies yeah yeah like when we look at the builds um we have good amount of wounds like my lists are always starting at like 170 wounds at least which is massive right that's not even thinking about the loon shrine that brings back units at half strength yep. i can get good access to ren through things like the jaws of mork I can get access to mortal wounds and, you know, Squig Herder are one example, but Boingrots do mortals, Hoppers do mortals. There are other access like Scragrots 1 now does mortal. There's so many different mortal accesses. Um, we now get our allegiance ability in turn one, which is just brilliant. Uh, yeah, no longer yeah. do we have to sit there idle turn one doing nothing, hoping turn two we can use ours. Um, where, where else have we gl gl glown up from like a Squig? slash moon clan side 
Um, well, I think one of the, the major additions, which was actually at the end of last book, is the, the pile-in on death from Grincrack. Um, especially for Squeak Hoppers, it, it was super important because what I found was I go in on my turn, I do damage, and then because I have a six-up save on my opponent's turn, they're just coming into me and just, like, melting the unit. And, like, I'll go down to, like, between five or ten models and be able to rally them back, but I'm still not doing anything on my opponent's turn. Um, whereas if you have piling on death, suddenly, like, you're going in with the hoppers, you're killing something, they're charging you, killing the hoppers, and then the hoppers are killing something, and then you're rallying back the hoppers, and then the hoppers are killing something. And basically, you're just you're getting so much value out of this one unit. So I think the piling on death was huge. Um, and then, yeah, what, the, it, what you were saying along the lines with the moon, is like huge so before we only had the the loon shrine right we had the loon shrine 12 inch aura and then yep. other than that we were just we we're just sitting there just praying because the uh the old moon mechanic was so bad so one of the issues that i had was if it was in let's say um like the bottom left quarter of the battlefield and i wanted to make sure i could rally my squigs on the next turn so what you'd do is you'd move you'd move them into the middle um uh like of of for example, um, but you could move them into that quarter, right? Okay, and you're going to go like, all right, well, if it moves, uh, if it doesn't move, it's staying in that quarter so I can rally. That would be a one, right? On a two to five, it's going to move into the middle so I can rally still there because if it's in the middle, it covers the whole board. But on a six, it's going to skip to the quarter of the other side of the battlefield and I can't rally my squeaks. And if that happens, I'm going to lose the game. And there's just no way you can play around that. Um, so now they've made it so it doesn't, like, uh, it doesn't skip like that. It can only move one thing at a time. And yeah, as you were saying, it's starting in a quarter of the battlefield. And uh, that's all great and all. But um, the main thing, in my opinion, is that Scrag Rock gives her out the aura now. So it's yeah. funny. I was, I was playing my game. So I, I just came off the back last weekend. I played at like a 30 player uh, event. And my last opponent was Lumineth, I think it was. Or it was my opponent before in game four. And I was, and I was explaining the moon. And um, he's like, okay, cool. So the moon comes from the shrine. I'm like, yes, there's a moon here from the shrine. There's a moon from Scragrot. And there's a moon from the moon. He's like, wait, there's three moons? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, if I want, I can get a fourth moon with the malevolent moon. And for anyone who hasn't seen the rules yet, we'll bring up the rules in a minute. But the moon is where we get access to a whole bunch of cool rules. So squigs get extra uh, extra rend. Um, the grots get the rally. Like there's all these different benefits depending on what type of git you are. But anyway, there's a lot of cool access. And unfortunately, we lost the uh, inspire the Battleshock immunity and things like that. But the moon is is now much more consistent. Yep. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any units that you really like in this book that's kind of blown up? So you've said um, Grimrack, which is the new Underworlds warband. Um, yeah. I haven't used him yet. What What do you like about Grimrack? Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's the, so it's mainly the piling on death but also his six little dudes um are like super handy now i think part of it is that i play on tts most of the time with massive terrain features um and so their their big thing is when they deploy you have to pick like a quest to do for some reason we now have like knights as part of the lord <laughs> I, I love it but i don't know why um and basically the quest is you got to like capture a, an objective that's in your opponent's territory or a terrain feature um now if you're in a situation where you're playing one of those maps where the territories are split halfway down the middle um you can be in a situation where you have a terrain feature that's across both deployment zones um or both territories 
And sometimes you can be in a situation where that terrain feature is also within three of where you can deploy. And so what that means is you put the six dudes down and instantly get the four-up ward on them. So that, that happens to me all the time on TZS. It's fantastic. Um, and once those lads have the four-up ward, well, they're actually, they're actually 12 wounds with a four-up ward. So they're really hard to kill, and they still have the four-up rally. Um, and the biggest thing with them is for some reason they can hold fanatics. <laughs> so, so you can uh, you can run around with like uh, you know five or ten hidden little fanatics in there. Um, and I, I would say to your question, the fanatics are, are, are the unit to me that's got like the biggest glow up, the the loon smasher fanatics. Um, so they've gone down in points. And the biggest thing now is after the unit they're in is destroyed, they can still be set up. And the setup rules are ridiculous. It's wholly within six of the slain model. Which is completely ridiculous. <laughs> like the range on that makes no sense. It's, it doesn't have to be more than it's... three. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's it's good. three that's when good. they come out in the charge phase. So in, if you so you can either bring them out in the charge phase, start of the charge phase, either player's turn. It's wholly within three of the unit, more than three from enemy units. But if you're setting them up when your unit dies, it's just wholly within six of the last lane model. So you can imagine having like a long line of like stabbers or shooters, and your opponent comes in and kills them. And you just go on like, all right, I'm putting the Fanatics Holy within six. That's hitting your hero or something, and there's nothing they can do about it, right? Yeah. Super should, super good. Yeah. We're, we're going to get FAQ'd to the Wazoo. <laughs> we are so going to get FAQ'd, which is a shame. We've been waiting for this book. So, they, look, so Fanatics are, are great. Obviously, Herd have been blown up. Um, what else has had a glow up? Scragrot's had a, a, a big change to the way Scraggy kind of operates. Uh, what what are what are some of the other things that you really enjoy that maybe maybe are sleeper units or things that people haven't looked at um, because they never ran it in the old book? Um, well, I, so the the biggest one to me, which is actually the best war scroll in the whole book, is sneaky snufflers. Now they were already good, so people were running them like all the time, but um, five up ward. It's just the best buff in the game. Like, there's just nothing better than putting a five-up ward, especially on you know an army that has a million wounds. Like, you might think about it. Okay, we have like, um, we have Griff Feather Charm right now, the five-up ward little artifact that's coming at GHB. And if you put that on like a six-wound hero, it's like fine. All right, it's like it's like you know it's pretty good, but you know it's not amazing. You're basically getting you know effectively three extra wounds, right? So you're going up to like nine wounds. Well, let's say we put it on a unit that has sixty wounds. All right, we're, it's a it's a different different question here. That's uh that's that's like massive value, like absolutely huge value. Um, and it pushes it to the point where, like for example, maybe your opponent's big camera can kill your sixty shooters. Well, if they have a five up ward, maybe they can't. And if they can't, that means we're getting to do the four up rally. So the sneaky mm. snufflers really have great synergy with the four up rally. Um, and it also encourages you to bring like massive units of stuff. Um. Now, the problem they have is, of course, they can't move after they do their five-up ward thing. Unfortunately, we still have Hand of Gork in the army. You can still just teleport them and then just chuck the five-up ward on something. Um, and there's also other jank where you can, like, you know, string a unit back to the sneaky snufflers, and then when stuff dies, you can be in range of, of the buff and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're a unit to me which you would look at them at 110 points and think that that's a lot, but... In my mind, they should be more like 150 points, um, just because five up ward, <laughs> just because five up ward is just the most mental buff in all of Ada Sigma. Like it's just crazy. 
Yeah, the snuffler buff. Look, I'll be honest. Like when I thought of it, when I did the preview, I was kind of down on them because not that I didn't value the five up ward, but my combination was always the Moon Clan stabbers with the sneaky snufflers giving plus yes. one attack, with the loon boss giving mortal wounds on sixes. So if you do two wounds attack, you know you can normally get. 20 grots usually in combat minimum that's 40 attacks mortal wounds you could just like pop them out and then you know with some good rend as well you could you could really like i remember th one 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 shotting thankful with a bunch of stabbers just absolutely mm -hmm. ripped him ripped him a new one and i was kind of disappointed that we lost that and i'm like playing around with the bubble on the the spore splatter i didn't really want to go into that but when you remove what i had and then you add this and i'm like right I've got real issues and Stu and I were just talking about this before we went live. I've been running um, the, the loon boss on Mangle squeak. I love mm. the Mangle squeak. It's one of my favorite models in the game. And right now it's 360 points. So 370 points. And it's, I struggle. I struggle with that payment because it's it's on the par of like a vampire lord on on zombie dragon. It's on par with a frost lord on stonehorn. You know, and the mangler never survives that uh, without the like the bounce away mm. fight another day. But when you put that five up ward on, and you're like, right, I'm going to send it forward. Now I've got durability. You chuck it on forty stabbers who can contest objectives outside of nine with a five up ward you've got someone who's going to kind of charge you and you know attack you in, in turn one you're really worried about piggies and and iron jaws pull five up ward you've got a big meat shield yeah yeah for sure um now the weakness obviously with the the snufflers is you do have to roll a two up um yeah but that's why you just take two units and just roll it twice so there you go there's the solution um <laughs> yeah they're uh they're, they're amazing for sure um another war scroll that i would say has um like like got a massive boost and were already really good um they're not as uh, as sexy as some of the other units in the book like you look at them and it's just like uh, i mean it's good but do i really want to play with this many models it's the shooters right um the shooters are amazing now um now it's it's really not the most fun way to play warhammer for a lot of people um i know coach probably probably you'll find with playing like 100 mini dudes on the table but yeah <laughs> no 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 not because this is old uh cunning rock this is um when you have 40 shooters doing two attacks each then you put the gobba by the way gobba massive glow up there um and and i i assume that when the faq drops they're gonna they're probably gonna say you can't stack gobba so i yeah, can't yeah, use yeah. i I'm, I'm assuming that you're never gonna be able to do two gobba making those 40 shooters ran two um like that's just ridiculous yeah. and it probably shouldn't happen but it's a lot of dice for a lot of i mean unless you've got a whole bu a lot of buffs on um it's a lot of nothing well because you're hitting on four, four unbuffed you're hitting on fours wounding on fives yeah um but it's just even with like no random all-out attack it's still like if you have 60 of them it's still 120 shots yeah. and like you're getting, I don't know, something like it's like I think it's like 27 wounds through. So against like something that's like decently low save, like even a four up save, like if they have a four up save screen, your 60 shooters, like if it's 10 wounds at a four up save, the 60 shooters will take them off. And um, that's realistically sometimes all you need to do for the shooters to be useful. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think I was playing around with forty, and I think I, on average I expect about seventeen wounds using the Gobapalooza, um Rend minus one. But there's a lot of cool things, and I think we could kind of talk about this for days. I want to get to the rules in a second, but is there yeah. anything that maybe you don't like from the new book? And I've already said the Mangler Squig, Loon Boss on Mangler Squig is I'm hard, finding it harder and harder to justify it in my list. Um, I had some cool, cool tricks that I played. I did use fight another day. I did get to bounce out of, uh, actually use the three day six bounce and kind of reposition, which was cool. But for 400 points, basically it was, it's quite an expensive tool that I could just reinvest somewhere else. Yeah. I think the one for me that I really struggle to find a way to use them properly is just the spore splatter fanatics. Like I find the biggest thing that I didn't see in the when I first reviewed them is they lost the strike first, so it makes them like really terrible in combat. Um, because in, in your opponent's turn, they're just gonna get instantly killed. Um, and their buff now being wholly within nine is just really hard to pull off. Um, if they had reliable movement, like if they just move seven, it would be fine, but they move 2d6, so mm. they've got this thing where it's like, okay, I'm trying to get my buff dudes in range but they move 2d6 like how am i going to plan around getting them in range when i'm like trying to charge my big unit of stabbers or something um it just makes them really hard to play with i think yeah yeah they're an interesting one. and that's why probably and that's probably why i was a bit more disappointed with the snufflers losing the plus one attack yes if you roll a six you can get yes as sickarth said if you roll the six you can get the ward and the plus one attack you're right but relying on a roll of a six on the sneaky snufflers and I'm like, well, you know, the, the spore splatters lose the minus one attack. I, it's very hard to get it in the snufflers. That's why I was a little bit down, but obviously five up water is bloody incredible. It's ridiculous. When you put it on 40 stabbers, you put it on boing grot bounders, you know, for a base four up that, um, what I'd love to do is kind of move a little bit to the rules. Mm. Right. So, um, I've already done this discussion, as I've mentioned, folks, uh, with a squig, sorry, squig, a trog and a spider kind of focus. But talk to me about the bad moon as a as a squig slash moon clan player. Um, I'm happy to talk more from the moon clan side because that's probably my specialty. Um, how do you see the the moon, and where do you put it from a quadrant point of view? Do you always put it on? the same spot that you want to rally? Do you put it where your loon shrine is? How do you think about the placement and the way you, and we'll bring up the rules in a minute for the actual bad moon, but talk to me about the placement and the, of the orb. Yeah, it's interesting. So the big, the big thing with this thing is it happens um, like after you've uh, deployed your army. Um, so you're going to like know what your own setup looks like before you pick where this is. Um, and often I'm finding that because you have Scragrot in basically every army and also the loon shrine um you don't really have a need for it to be on your side of the battlefield often um but there are some situations where you want to do that so from the squeak perspective the main thing you're, you're kind of looking to position this around is trying to get your like run and charge off if you want to send mm -hmm. your squigs in um and so you just have to like do some measurement you know can i get my unit wholly in my opponent's quarter if i can then let's put it there Otherwise, you go, all right, I'm just going to put it on like a quarter that's on my side that's like close to them, and then I can try and make a charge from there if I want to do it. Um, yeah, but more often than not, I would say the placement turn one is actually not super important um, because you already have the buffs, like with the Loon Shrine and Scragrot. So 
Um, yeah, if you're not looking to pull off some run and charge play, you should just put it in the same quarter as Scragrot in case like something kills him. Um, so usually what I find is that, like one side of my army is like the Loon Shrine and the other side is covered by Scragrot. So you got like both sides covered. But if Scragrot dies, um, then obviously you're not going to have the rally over there. So that's kind of a little bit of a weak point of the army if your opponent has some way to kill him. Because obviously he can be shot because he's not a Galatian champion. So um, that's just a little bit of a weak point. And the same goes for if they have a really easy way to destroy the Loon Shrine, um, then you can do that. Um, yeah, it, it, it depends a lot on battle plan where you're initially going to put it, I would say. Because um, the other thing you can do is you can just put the Loon Shrine in the middle if you're in a battle plan where you can do that. Um, and that will get you your run and charge because you can just use the Loon Shrine for that. Um, and then in that situation, you're going to want to like cover you know, the quarter where you would have put the Loon Shrine so you have the rally in there. Um, really what you're working with is like your Scragrot, your Loon Shrine, and this thing, and just trying to position so you've got your buffs everywhere that they need to be. It's yeah. really anticipating where you think you're going to need the battle to go. So, uh, Stu, you mentioned a great point around the where the objectives are going to be. What are the key objectives that you think you're going to be fighting over and where do you want the, the moon to be? And, you know, once we're, once we're in the center of the board, it obviously affects the whole board. And then you can use scrag rods once per game to hold it. So in the ideal world, turn two, it's in the center of the board. Turn three, you've held it with scrag rot. With any luck, turn four, you roll a one to a three and it stays in the board. Um, but there is obviously that random movement where it can stay in its current quarter. And that happened to me a few times last weekend where in turn two, I rolled that one, two or three and it stayed in the quadrant. So it yep. meant that either I had to hold back a little or I'm relying more on Scragrot or something like the Malevolent Moon if I had it in my um, my list to get the buffs off into the center or in my opponent's territory. Yeah. Um, I Like I would say with Scragrot, most of the time I'm just chucking in, in the middle turn too because like I'm trying to avoid what you, like the scenario you just said where it's like stuck in the quarter. Because that's just bringing back like past trauma for me of just like it being stuck there and not doing anything. So I'm just like, it's in the middle. It's affecting the whole board. We're, we're, we're done with the past. It's time for me to have some religious abilities, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of like, as I've been playing with squigs, I've actually thought to myself, do I need the malevolent moon? Because as an endless spell, it's fast. It's going to get up the board and it's a nice fail safe if I roll that one, two or three and the bad moon doesn't move into the quarter. So it's something, yep. some things that I'm thinking about because it's actually quite a good little endless spell. Yep, I agree. Chuck it up the board and get uh, get run and charge. Super good. Because yeah. what I found with my squeaks was um, I turned one, I wanted to launch an attack, but I was uh, either I was outside my bad moon aura or I just, I wanted the, I wanted that ability, but the bat and I didn't want to put Scragrot in the center of the board because I wanted him around a little longer. Yeah, yeah. But, so you got your you got your rules. We, we're talking bad moon now, you know. So if you're Moon Clan, you get the uh the four up rally uh for your Moon Clan. Your squigs, you're gonna get run and charge. Um, trogs get plus one to their saves, that moves them to like a base save of three, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. and then your spiders <laughs> get to do mortal wounds on five up instead of six up. So yeah, talk to me about how this works for you and how you think about the the bad the bad moonlight. I mean, the yeah, the thing for us is just the four up rally, which is obviously ridiculous. Um, I'm I'm really surprised it stayed in. Um yeah, this makes the 
the the army tilted a little bit towards playing at least you know one bigger unit um so you can pull off like a big big high value rally um yeah because the big thing with this as opposed to the loon shrine is you can do it in your opponent's turn as well so in the loon shrine you, like you have to wait until your turn and then the end of your turn so it's kind of low tempo right like you, you're getting stuff out on the board kind of later than you want it to be but this is like um a high tempo um way of returning models so super strong um yeah in any army but particularly in an army like this where um historically we've kind of had a little bit of a tempo issue um particularly with some of the like slower units like with um with stabbers like let's say you go in and then you, you kill some stuff and then your opponent hits you back um if that unit like dies then you're gonna have to wait into the end of your turn to bring it back from the shrine and at that point you're kind of like losing some uh some board control so here basically what you can do is you can um, go in with the stabbers or some other unit and you get hit back and then you can just kind of like delete models back to a point where you're inside the the um, the moon aura, um, whether that be from Scragrot, the shrine or the moving moon. Um, and at that point, you can do four at rally and you can still keep your board presence while also returning models. So that, that's where this is much better than, than the loon shrine buff. And then for squigs, um, the run and charge, I really wish that this was like at the start of the turn or something. So like if I was under the 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 light at the start of the turn, I could run a charge, but we still have to measure it basically in the charge phase. So um just one thing to be careful with with the the moon aura is like you have to be wholly under one of them. Like we've got like several auras. We've got like the loon shrine, you know, all the things we mentioned. Basically there's four of them, right? Um, but you need to be wholly under one of them. You can't have like half and half. So with these big units, it's just it's important you make sure that you're you're wholly under one of them, not like split halfway down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So really like when I think about this and I'll go back to the map, when I'm thinking about being an aggressive turn one charge, let's say I put the bad moon in this quarter and I don't have to put it in this quadrant, by the way, I can put on it into any quadrant. I really want to measure out and I really want to make sure that I don't cross the line here because otherwise mm. I'm going to lose my ability. And it could just be, and you got to think about your pylons, you got to think about, your, your synergies and your bubbles and things like that. But if you pre-measure that and you're an aggressive turn one player because you want to run Boing Grots into people's face, just be mindful where this line is because otherwise you'll lose the ability. Um, and, and yeah, I, look, I, I love the I love the, the Lunar Squigs ability. Um, you've really got to watch out with the Hoppers because they have a base move of, was it 10 plus D6? Um, so that speed gets you out of that air, that bubble very quickly. Um, mm. while your Boing Grots are seven plus D six. So it's probably a good chance you still stay, but, um, and then the Mangler Squigs, what, 10 plus D six or something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I'll call out really quickly and then I'll kind of move on is, um, when you're thinking about it from a Moon Clan side, which is the way I think about, um, I know some people might feel, not think about like the, the four up rally being important. Like, well, what happens if I'm in combat? you know, really planning your combat and where you start removing models so that you can, one, you can rally in both hero phases, obviously, but two, if you've got this big unit that Stuart's talking about, the 40 or the 60 stabbers or the 40 or 60 uh, shooters, if you are measuring your three inches so you can pull out of combat by re removing slain models, boom, then you hit your four up rally and you just grow that unit back significantly. So again, planning for the future.
yeah, one one really kind of important micro mechanic with this army is like casualty removal. And just just a just a small tip to help with it. Um, so if you're trying to get out of combat and your opponent's done some damage to you, if you're taking battle shock, what you can do is just remove um, say models like in the middle of your stringing back unit. And in that way, you can basically break the, the front half of the unit from coherency because coherency break happens after Battleshock. So we always kind of have this uh, this nice zone where like even if we hadn't removed the right models that we wanted to in combat, you can still just roll your Battleshock. And this is a case where us being like bravery three or four is actually a bit of an advantage because even if we've lost like four models, we're guaranteed to lose some models. So um you can always use that to remove models, break coherency, and then get in the four-up rally range. And most of the time, if you sit down and work that out, um, it's actually going to be better to do that than pass Battleshock in terms of the number of models you actually have in the unit. So um, that's something to do for sure. Yeah, no, it's a really good comment. Uh, and it actually ties nicely into the segue, which is the two new heroic actions. So one for the Moon Clan hero, one for the Dankhold Trog boss. Um, let i use this basically every turn i possibly could so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. beckon for the lunatic horde uh you can rally three times now there's two key benefits here actually Stuart, i'll let you go let you explain but for me there's two clear benefits before any other um why do you like this particular heroic action yeah now i i would say like it seems really amazing that you can rally three times but i would say that doesn't come up too often the main reason that you're using this is because it just doesn't cost the CP. You just rally for free, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. So you, so if you're going for the CP and you're always going to rally, uh, obviously if you want the CP for something else, different story, but instead of trying to go for that heroic leadership for a 4 plus or a 2 plus, depending on uh, if your general's on the table or not, this is guaranteed. Just straight up, boom, I was going to rally anyway. I'll take the CP, no dose, dice roll required. And if I happen to have three units, awesome. Uh, if I run Scrag Rotter as my general, then I'm rallying uh, within an 18-inch aura instead of like 12 or 6. So mm -hmm. um, amazing. Yep. I'd say um, also you can, uh, if you're going second with the Galatian Champion, you can obviously do this and then also roll a 4-up for heroic leadership. So that's, that's mega. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, there's more. Yep. Yeah, this is a this is a squig and and, uh, and moon clan show, but I do like the trog boss heroic action. I actually think it's pretty good. Um, it can be it can be it's it's just one of those things that's uh is to keep in the back of your mind because it's kind of specific, but can be pretty handy as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very. W would that alone make you take a Dankhold trog boss? Uh, no, um, but he has other benefits for sure, um, which we'll get into a bit later. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, so you're not taking it purely because of weight and smash, but it is a nice little ability to have. Um, it is a great little hero uh, if you want to take it. The other two, uh, I, I get the feeling we're gonna we're gonna skim through one of these really quickly. What's your thoughts on the two monstrous rampages? One being for Arachnorok, one for yeah, and then one for Squeak, uh, Mangle Squeak. Uh, the Arachnorok one is awful. Uh, I would love if that gets buffed in the fact because it just doesn't do anything, um, and I'm never doing that ever um oh, someone on twitter actually uh, tagged me and said they did it they actually rolled a six on it as well so <laughs> kudos, kudos to you i can't remember who your name was immediately but uh they did actually do the ensnaring web but it's just such a like when i've got all the monstrous rampages like raw stomp titanic jewel uh maybe not titanic jewel but like even like smash to rubble like ensnaring web is the last one i'm gonna pick oh yeah yeah um giant boeing 
which is the mangle squig one is pretty fun but i just hate personally that it's just worse than the stonehorn one like can we do some mortal wounds as well please <laughs> like what why is it just worse um i, I mean it's great um and it's uh it, it makes the mangler squigs into more of like a backline threat now um whereas they used to kind of be like the end of screens they'd have a big problem with that um now you can like ram them into the screen they do mortal wounds when they charge and then you know 3d6 and just hope you roll well and, and hit the back but obviously 3d6 is pretty unreliable um you know we've we've upgraded our movement from 3d6 but not this unfortunately so it's great but you can roll low and then it's just a bit crap isn't it but that's all right yeah. I will argue in our defense that uh, our base size is a lot smaller than a Frostlord on Stonehorn. Mm. Um, I've yet to see anyone, anyone execute the Frostlord on Stonehorn actually any useful because they haven't rolled enough that the base can actually do anything. But I have I have used giant, giant Boing a number of times to leap uh, a screen or move from an elite unit into the support hero and just slap it. So um mm. but but it goes back to my argument earlier that the mangler squeak is quite expensive at the moment and even though that i buffed it up with the artifact i buffed it up with the sub allegiance i did everything i possibly could other than like sneaky snuffler it's still a lot of points mm. yeah for sure yeah uh anything else you'd want to mention on the command traits or do you want to sorry not command traits the uh, allegiance abilities or do you want to give me some of your thoughts on your favorite command traits yeah, well, we can talk about the command traits. Um, all in all, like, there's only a few of these that are, like, amazing. Um, I think Clammy Hand is, like, it's it's decent, um, but it tends to be the one you just kind of take if you don't have a plan for your general. Like, you're just like, all right, I have, like, a squig boss general. Let's give him Clammy Hand because what else is he going to do? Um, but it's 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 a good ability. Um, but as I was saying before with the Loon Trine, it's kind of low tempo, so... Um, if you if you're gonna take clammy hand, I feel like you kind of need a plan uh, for a unit that you're just gonna deliberately blow up. Like you're gonna send in some some squeak herd or something, and then they're gonna die. And then at the end of your turn, like the turn you send them in on your turn, and then die on your turn, so you can roll it on your turn. That's a bit like higher tempo. Um, then this is pretty handy. Um, the other use is if you've got like a big unit of thirty squeak hoppers or something, and you want a guarantee you can get the fifteen back. Then this is pretty good as well um but yeah overall it's not i would say it's not as strong as it seems like on paper like i've played this now probably like 25 games and i'm yet to actually use it <laughs> like I, it's yet to actually be relevant in any of my games um yeah yeah my issue my issue at the moment is um the loon shrine has is no longer garrisonable it's now um mm. you can't you can't put anyone in it so it means your hero has to be hanging out i see some use of this uh in combination with the king's gits and we'll get to the allegiance abilities in a minute but you know when you do king's gits with the clammy hand yeah but i'm always traditionally against relying on things to die as opposed mm. to what i can do on the table so Yes, um, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. 100% agree on that. Yeah. You don't want to die to win the game. You just want to like kill your opponent and win <laughs> most of the time. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I guess it could give you a little bit more. Cause one of my tr troubles is I always roll poorly on bringing models back from the shrine. I think literally last weekend over five games, I didn't roll at once. I just suck at that roll. And even mm -hmm. if I don't want to go King's Gits, this is at least a better chance to bring back that one super unit. In your case, the 30 Squig Hoppers back to 15 or 
you know, my my 15 or 10 Boingrots, uh, whatever it might be. But uh, out, out, outside of Clemmy Hand, do you have any other favorites or ones that you really like? Um, I love Super Nasty Venom, Venom on the uh, on the Scuttleboss. I think it's like super handy. Um, yeah, I think uh, in in all these books that GW is releasing lately, there's always like your uh, your like 130 point bargain bin hero that is bad if he doesn't have a command trade and artifact, but if you're willing to spend the command trade and artifact just becomes really good and like way exceeds his points value and like the scuttle bus is scuttle bus is definitely part of this so super nasty vermin is uh is super good um and then the other one i would say from the trog side is obviously loon skin is amazing um because uh, i think scuttle tide in particular is just an absolute standout war scroll in this book and just being able to take it for free in my mind kind of means that the dank hold trog boss costs like 115 points and um, at 115 points, he's excellent. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that one's amazing. Yeah. So I used Fight Another Day last weekend on my Loon Boss on Mangler, and it was actually quite useful being able mm. to do the the massive boing to be able to leap around and um, and you know the way I used the that particular piece was to be able to reposition my my Mangler squig so the minimum amount of attacks could go back into my my uh, my unit if I had to if I roll poorly or whatever it was but then i've also if i or even if i wanted to stay in combat um but then fight another day being able to move uh 2d6 um that was really helpful to reposition um there was one particular game where i ran into six varen guard and then um varen guard have a once per game ability where they can fight twice but they strike last the second time i was able to uh my opponent hit me because they charged me then I fought and then I bounced away. So I stopped that unit of Varangard fighting again, which was really helpful. But then I played like an Iron Jaws unit that just slapped it off the board and I didn't get to use that at all. So it is situational. It's it's useful. But do I want to make it my general's command traits? Not mm. sure. Yep. I think if you're taking the Loon Boss and Mangler's Quick, this is just the one you're taking, right? Um, yeah. But it's just whether he's worth it or not is the thing. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the question. Um, and obviously, yeah, there's some good options here. Like, you know, I don't mind Squig Whisperer, but to me, I think like Loon Touch, Clammy, uh, Clammy Hand, or Fight Another Day, or Super Nasty, Super Nasty Venom, depending on your build. And obviously the, mm. the Trog side we talked about. What are the artifacts? Where are you at with artifacts? And are there any particular units that you like to give these artifacts to? Um, there's actually not a lot of great ones here i'm going to be honest um like particularly the moon clan side so um like if again if you're taking the loon swash and loon boss and mangler squig you're going to take the teeth caps for the extra rend um the moment is like pretty good but uh we have other ways to get extra rend now that are less conditional um so i don't think it's necessarily as auto included as it used to be um uh from the spiders and trog side the spider ones are all really good like all exceptional um if you're taking a spider list I, I wonder if you just almost just take all three uh so the scuttle boss only being hitting on five and sixes is amazing the bonus to cast is like one of the only reliable like bonus to cast in this army um i mean i say reliable you, you know you roll a dice and add the results to the casting roll so you can roll a one but um you know this is super strong if you like want to guarantee getting scuttle tied off or something you know you're already getting a plus one when a spider fang wizard casts it so if you do this and you you can guarantee getting scuttle tied off and then the totem um which they just 
copy and pasted from Cruel Boys uh, lets you do extra mortals on sixes. Um, and from the Trog side, you're taking the Glowy Houser. That thing is amazing. Um, it's just like awesome. Like four up ward. Um, where it turns off is like pretty, pretty rare. Uh, like you have to take some wounds. And then at the end of the phase, roll a one. It's like super rare. It's going to feel super bad when it happens, but um, pretty rare. Yeah, overall, just an absolute um, amazing artifact. I would say uh, more than any of these, I'm usually finding myself taking the Nightflyer cloak from um, the uh, General's Handbook and it's chucking it on the Loon Boss. Um, so that way I can start him in reserve. Um, he's usually also my General, so I'm not losing you know, my non-Scraggot general turn one, and also my opponent has nowhere to get rid of him. And then I'm popping him um, nine away, and then I, um, usually he also has leadership of the alpha, so I can pop him nine away, and then triple issue his command ability for mortal wounds. So uh, I find the Nightflyer Cloak is usually what I'm using instead of any of these, um, just so you can keep a buff piece off the board. Um, so you can guarantee it being in range, and then also guarantee that it doesn't die, uh, which can happen with a Loon Boss, so... Yeah, these are good, but I think that one's better. Let's assume it's six months from now and we're not in the General's Handbook. We're in a different one. What's the artifact you're choosing from the Moon Clan hero? Um, probably probably either the plus one to cast or Moonface Moment. Um, I've had a couple lists where I've been choosing between those two. Uh, plus one to cast is pretty good if you pair it with uh, with Bear Snatchers, which we'll get to in, in a minute because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Scragrod has plus one to cast, but he's not. He has the King Gets key keyword. So if you want plus one to cast and also re-roll a dice, this is the only way to do it. Um, so this is this is pretty handy as well. Yeah, Moonface Moment is also worth calling out because it used to be locked to the Madcap Shaman. Now it can be used as a for a fungoid as well, which um, has been really helpful. And in this season, uh, last weekend, I was playing with Moonface Moment and Tunnelmaster. So being able to like run my squeak herd up the board, then use my once per game tunnel master, come out, point my little one to give it Ren minus one. So then with the squeak herd charging, mortal wounds on sixes from the squeak boss, uh, it was just industrial amount of damage. And I would lift like twice in, in two different games. I lifted 15 of 20 chaos warriors with the nurgle banner and the nurgle mark yep. uh yep. from one round of combat so with those two combinations and and that's all i needed right and that was really helpful but yes i i know the irony that i just said six months from now but i don't mind the moon face moment and you know if we don't have tunnel master i can hand up gawk it if i'm i'm trying to set that up i would well. say um the the tunnel master is the thing that makes this thing a lot better to me because not only is hand of gawk not reliable um the big thing is the redeploy timing. So with, with Tunnel Master, you can essentially do it at the end of the phase. Um, so it means you move everything up, you wait for your opponent to do any redeploys, and then you pop it down, and that guarantees you're getting the moment. Whereas before, if you teleport the guy in range, and then you're like trying to charge him with a unit, where they just go, I'll redeploy, and you're only nine away. So if they roll a three, you're stuffed. You're out, they're outside of the range of the moment. So on a three up, they just dodge the moment. Whereas now you're just like, all right, Tunnel Master, in it goes. Yeah. I agree with you. I think if uh, we didn't have Tunnel Master, I would less likely use it with a Squeak build, who are just super fast that my my uh, my fungoid won't catch up on. But it's still incredibly valuable with my slow moving Moon Clan, so my stabbers, my mm. shooters. Obviously, I can't use it in combination with shooters, but I don't need the speed to be able to point and click because my board moving up um, the board. Yeah, yeah, as a defensive tool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, what are spells? I, I agree with you, by the way. I think bad smatches and snatches and that uh, plus one artifact, the spell casty one, would actually work quite well, I think, as um, a little bit of a sleeper artifact that we, no one's not, not, not nearly enough are talking about. Mm. Um, okay, the spell laws. Um, so I was a bit disappointed because I lost my favorite spell, which was the, the green Great spike green spell. Spite. Oh, so good. Be... 60, 60 <laughs> stabbers. You grab the mortal wounds, you shoot it up the board. It was so bloody good. 24 inch range, D6 mortal wounds. Now, Scragrot's spell is kind of the same thing because it's 24 inch range mortal wounds. So I'm, I'm all right with it. Um, the big thing for me that um, that's changed, well, sorry, that hasn't changed here is that Hanagork is still range 24, which just kind of blows my mind that that's still a thing because you can do stuff like string 60 shooters like across your entire deployment zone and then go turn one. It's like, I spent 10 minutes setting that up, but let me just pick them up again and put them somewhere else. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the 24-inch range is like amazing. Um, then the other spells here, um, stop, Itchy stop, Nuisance. Stop, 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 yep. stop, stop, stop. I want to pull you yep. back for a second. I'm going to pull you yes. back. Talk to me about Hand of Gork because a lot of people talk about Hand of Gork and they love it. Why do you love it? And then also give me who do you, who who's a good recipient or what are good positions to to use Hand of Gork. Okay, so the the main reason from a competitive standpoint that I love Hand of Gork is because it makes our turn one much better. Um, so if we're given first, which often we will because we're high drop a lot of the time, um, you can do stuff like string forty shooters across the entire board, so your opponent cannot leave their deployment zone using Hand of Gork. Um, and without that, we kind of have a little bit of a weakness to getting doubled because we're a little bit of like a castle army. So if our opponent has a way to just like blow off one line of our screens and then get into the juicy stuff, there's a bit of a weakness to being doubled. So Hand of Gork can kind of smooth that out a little bit because we can teleport our screen really far up. And so that means that, you know, on bottom of one, our opponent charges and kill the screen. But then on their next turn, they're not really in range to kill something that's valuable. Um so that's the, the I think in my head the primary use of Hand of Gork, and the second thing is just uh, keeping buff uh, units in range, and particularly the Snufflers um, are required um, to stay in range. And then the other one I would say is like teleporting like Scragrot up the board, so his his uh, his Loon Shrine Aura um, can be used for like this the Squeaks Run and Charge. And so that those are like the three uses in my head, yeah. Yeah, the, so snuff. So I wanted to call that out because, like, the snuffler being able to, because you can't move, using that to kind of um, replace that ability, which is awesome. Um, one that I use often is teleporting my stabbers, which has the loon smasher fanatics in it. So then set up the uh, the loon mm. smasher, the stabbers outside of nine. Then you release the fanatics. So it's a six inch charge. If you've got big grapefruits and you don't have a hero around to re to issue uh, the, the re-roll the charge um you gotta hope and pray you roll that six inch charge and you could really strike someone in the face very early but it, you are gambling the other yeah. the other ability i actually really the reason i love it is actually for the late game so being able to regenerate those um, models from the loon shrine i can then get them back into the fight quicker by grabbing them moving them up the board whether it is you know three regenerated squeak herd or hoppers uh, whether it is you know twenty or ten stabbers, I can get them back in the board and even cap cap objectives and steal them late game. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, now, cool. Now, 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 talk. I, I just don't want to skip over that because no, no, people, like, 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 how do you use the teleport effectively? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'd say this spell is like one of the most important things in the army for sure. 
Um, the other spells are a little bit situational. Um, Itchy Nuisance is great. Uh, so 18-inch range, they get strike last. Um, but it's only until the end of that turn. So it's like something that you want to go kill now. Um, and if you're running bigger units, generally you're not like gang bashing them with a bunch of different units. But if you're running like some MSUE kind of build, this can be handy. Um, and then Nicket Nicket is just too low range. Um, it's super hard to get this to work. Um, I rolled a nine the other day. Uh, <laughs> I was very sad. I needed a 10. Um, but uh, yeah, if you get a 10 and you can turn the artifact off, it could be pretty good. Um, but 12 inch range is the issue for me. And then Squeak Lua. Um, I actually like this spell quite a bit. Um, I know reroll charge doesn't seem that great, but on the Squeak Herd, there's no other way to get them reroll charge. And then even on the hoppers, it could save you a CP. And I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that what you said, the first part is, I just want to highlight that the squeak herd cannot uh, issue or receive commands. So they can't rally. They can't, uh, they can't roll a flat six for a run. You can't uh, re-roll a charge. So squeak lure is the way around that. So if you're going to invest in a unit of 24 or 36 squeak herd, you need access to squeak lure because otherwise you could buff them up to the nines with the squeak boss and all the other buffs. And then they fail that charge and you cry because you can't issue a command. Yeah. And what's great about it is it's it's 18 inch range and it's only cast on a five. So realistically, turn one, if Scragrot's out of unbind range, you just need to roll a four and you're going to get it off. So if you're looking for some squig alpha, this is a, this is a great spell for sure. Yeah. I found my opponents just ignored that spell. They let that go through the keeper. They were worried about Scragrot's um, signature spell and some of the, they were worried about that and hand of Gork and, with squeak squeak lure, they just let it slide. Uh, it was actually so valuable to my build, especially with thirty six squeak herd. Mm. Uh, yeah. It also might be worth calling out that Scragrot knows the entire spell lore of the Moon Clan, so that helps you access those situational things. Mm. Yeah. So even though Nicket Nicket is like kind of situational, you you get it on Scragrot anyway. So um, yeah, don't have to worry about taking it instead of another spell. Yeah, with with a with a moon clan and a squig type list, like heavy heavy investment in those two or one of the others, would you consider taking a spider wizard for access to any of those spider fang spells? Um, I think the short answer is no. Um, the problem we have in Gits is for some reason they've decided to give us like seventy nine sources of minus one to hit. So sneaky distraction is an awesome spell. But there's a Gob of Palooza spell that does the same thing. The Nets do the same thing. The Fellwater Trogs do the same thing. And it's kind of like, once you've got enough minus one to hit, you know, it caps out at minus one. Um, it's not so useful to keep stacking them. So this is an amazing spell, but not actually required in this army. Um, and then Cursed the Spider God, I think is pretty bad. Um, I think it's just mega situational. If like Archeon or something starts coming back into the meta, maybe you use it. Uh, but otherwise, no. And Scuttling Terrors is just a, it's a, it's a spell for the Spider Fang. So you're not going to necessarily bring it in for the Moon Clan. Yeah, I will say, um, and I think I might have mentioned it in the past. The Web Spinner Shaman is 65 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's such <laughs> a dirt cheap wizard. And if you're looking for an easy way to get like eye for an eye or something um it's actually not a bad little sacrificial piece and obviously while we're playing with glacian champions a 65 point hero actually isn't a bad investment i always use sneaky distraction when i go for it but 
it's not strong enough that I would always pick a spider fang wizard uh, just to have it that particular spell. But um, it's again, 65 points is nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, yeah, he's super good for sure. Yep. It's super, super cheap. I don't know how we got it for so cheap. But um, we also have five sub factions. So three existing, two news. Um, what are your thoughts? Let's let's talk squeak first. You're you're a squeak man. Um, thoughts on the jaws of mork. Okay, so jaws of mork is just the best of these by like not even close. Um, I kind of wish that these sub factions would not exist. Uh, so in ogres, where there was a similar one, which was just minus one rend on the shooting thing. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's just a little too obvious. Um, because like plus one attack on the charge on all your squigs, it's just going to be probably better than any of the other benefits that are on the other allegiances um but there are there are some other things going on so the the king's gets i think would would push you towards some kind of like um either like sacrificial squeak herd build where you're like sending in squigs and blowing up and then bringing them back um and you might be able to argue that it's better to take king's gets um than jaws of mork in that build because you can guarantee that you can get squeak herd units back um, and then also some kind of like MSU build. So you're running like lots of small units. Um, then you can kind of guarantee that more of them die and you can use the clammy hand. So you roll twice and then you re-roll it and then you're getting lots of stuff back. So um, King's Kits is good for like that MSU sort of style, I think. And then um, Bad Snatchers is like a really strong ability. Now, there are some problems with this. So first of all, uh, Bad Snatchers Moon Clan Wizard is actually only three units. Uh, you would think it's more than that, but it's actually just Fungoid, Madcap, and Gobapalooza. Those are the only three units that have those keywords. So, because Zarbag gets, gets is also uh, locked to the King's Gets, Scragrot's yep. a King's Gets, everyone else is not Moon Clan Wizard, unless you gave like Arcane Tome to like a Loon Boss yes. or something. Yeah, so Arcane Tome, Loon Boss as well, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're wholly within nine of any other wizards, so if you're in a Gobapalooza unit with two wizards in it, they just get it. It's just funny. <laughs> uh, then you can reroll one of the dice. So um, that's that's pretty good. Um, I think this is like better than like a full reroll if you want to guarantee getting some like high result. So let's say, for example, you've rolled like a six and a one, then you can reroll the one into a better number. And that way you're kind of getting like a nine. Um, but unfortunately, it's not as good at, um assuring that you actually get the spell um and yeah even if you reroll one of those ones into a bigger number you know the max you're going to get is seven realistically you're going to get like you know five or under so um yeah it has some different strengths um when compared to something like cogs um but yeah for getting big big casting roles this is super useful yeah yeah it's my challenge and maybe i haven't used bad snatches just yet i don't find the spell law strong enough to mm. make me want to focus on the wizards now if scrag rock could be in bad snatches different story um and zarbags gets if they were there i'd be okay with it if i had the great green spite i'd be okay with it but like, do I need, do I need bad snatches? Like for me, I'd probably rather invest in King's gets and, and pay for cogs than, but I, I see your point, right? Like you could get yourself out of a miscast. You could get yourself a stronger, uh, a, a stronger spell cast for, as you said, reroll the lowest dice to hopefully a higher dice. Um, I don't know for me as a moon clan slash squeaks player, 
Jaws and King's Gits are probably the two standouts. Now, obviously, if I'm Spiders, you've got Grim Scuttle. If I'm Trogs, I'm Glog's Mega Mob. But they're the two ones I'd be dancing dancing towards. Yeah, um, I think with with Spiders as well, since Grim Scuttle's a little bit kind of situational slash bad, um, I think King's Gits is probably just better for the Spiders, isn't it? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. I, I wasn't going to go down that path because it's not the spider, the spider fang show. Um, but I will say, yeah. like for example, so I told you, I told you the story earlier about my ridiculousness that was lifting, you know, fifteen slash sixteen chaos warrior Nurgle banner. They they're ridiculous to lift. Like folks, if you haven't fought one of them just yet, they are very hard to. It's a hard nut to crack. But when you have, like, I'm going to use my example, the Squig Herd, which has three attacks on the charge, turns to four attacks. I can use the Squig Boss to give them mortal wounds on sixes to hit. They are base rend of minus one. Um, I can get, that's rend minus one. Um, if if I happen to use, you know, any other rend mechanism, um, obviously that increases. But if I get those Squigs attacking the Chaos Warriors, which they did, that's 120 attacks. Mortals on sixes, and then they're mortals in addition. So then the rest of them just carry over. And yeah, it's like four, fours and threes, or threes and fours. I think it's fours and threes. Um, mm. I'd use my like my uh, my mangler squigs once per game mushroom to give plus one to wound aura. Yes. So they're wounding yes. on twos. It's just, and obviously you can get the triumph for a plus one to wound if you wanted to. It's just the volume out of squig herd that's why they i know they have a target on them for an errata so don't mm. go out and buy all of the squig herd at your local game store just yet mm -hmm. yep <laughs> but oh, they're so they're so yeah. bloody good um where are you at with these match play rules like are you like are you going for a battle pack grand strat or are you liking any of them i tried protect the shrine by the way uh dumb move so dumb yeah so I, had to I, play, I, think, I had to play with my shrine defensively and it was just dumb i think with protect the shrine you're taking this if it's like uh my my army does a million damage and if i haven't blown my opponent off then i'm probably losing the game anyway this is where this would be good um but then you might argue you can just take any grand strat and it's going to work um i think the one here um that i would actually take is probably chasing the moon um and you probably take this one if you have a dank old trog boss general with the four up ward um because i think it's pretty realistic he's not going to die if you play him kind of defensively right it's like a three up save four up ward as long as he's under the moon so just keep him alive and just stick him next to scragger up for three battle rounds and it's uh it's doable um yeah so that's the grand strats um now the battle tactics um are really good um i was like a little bit iffy about them when i first went into them so the thing that we don't have really is a turn one battle tactic that's super reliable um yeah so you might just want to just consider that in your army so um we were talking about the web spinner shaman before um what i really like is just taking tunnel master and the web spinner shaman just doing cunning maneuver turn one he's gonna die but it's 65 points right like that's a fine investment if he dies then we can do eye for an eye on the next turn um the web spinner shaman's really good for kind of smoothing out that turn one now if you don't have a web spinner shaman i think the one you're kind of looking to if you're going second is going to be the uh um the moonlight raid um battle tactic which is take an objective off your opponent um that can be really good if you're going second they take something and then you just 
you move Scragger up with some unit and um, you take it off him. That's really good. Um, and then the other one from the from the GHP would be Desecrate. So those are the two if you're doing on on turn one. I think if you don't have the the web spinner, but I really think take the web spinner with um, with Cunning Maneuver because after that there's heaps of stuff that we can do here. So um, follow the moon, super easy to do. Um, stab him in the dark um, can be pretty easy to do um, depending on the state of the game. Um, sometimes this can be like a little bit of a consolation prize if you've rolled that one to three on turn two. It's like, well, I can get my battle tactic now because I just send my hoppers outside of the light and uh, go and kill something. Um, but yeah, I think uh, of these, the easiest that are easy that to do are uh, the Follow the Moon and Moonlight Raid are definitely the, the two easiest ones on here because um, uh, you don't have to actually kill anything, right? You just like move on objectives and we're, we're very good at moving on objectives, so... Yeah. yeah, I found I found stabbing stab him in the dark actually wasn't too bad as well, especially mm. with an aggressive turn one. If my opponent charged up the board, um, and I was quite confident I could take out whether it was a cheap screen or whatever it was, um, and obviously the benefits as well is I know where the bad mood's going to be before I pick my battle tactics. So uh, if I know that the moon's in the center, I can pick follow the moon in turn two onwards, uh, guaranteed basically. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that they're, they're quite they're quite good. Um, uh, there's obviously unfortunately no battalions for us. Obviously, there's the trog version, but um, I probably wouldn't take this combination personally. No, no, um, I, I don't think so. Not in not in our Moon Clan one. No, yeah. no. But even even like in a trog version, I'm like oh, I'd rather just take more fell water and more rock guts. To be honest. Fair enough. Yep, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would, would you yeah. agree or disagree? Yeah, the Dankhold Trogoth is uh, still difficult to fit in there. He did get a lot better, but still not as good as just running three rock guts, I think. Yeah, yeah and Fellwater are just so good. Fellwater, amazing, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to go through all of the War Scrolls unless you want to do it. Uh, I feel like we could be here for 10 years, but I do want to acknowledge the Squeak Boss. Um, and the Squeak Boss being a new unit, what, 80 points? Um it's like a what a four wound idiot but uh the value like i'm not even going to worry about the attack profile this guy should never be in combat uh let's worry about that for a second um why do we take first off what do you think of the squeak boss and why do we take it i think it's ridiculous i think this is like stupidly undercosted like it should be at least like 130 or something like i think this guy is going to have the same fate as the skink priest where it's going to just keep going up 10 points every GHB to the end of time. Because um, uh, six is the hit doing mortals is a pretty good buff. Um, that's up there with the five up ward. It's it's pretty good. Now, if that if that was just it, you'd still take him. But then in also, addition, in addition, yes. not, not, not <laughs> instead of not the, not the sequence ends in addition. Yep. So that's amazing. So like, let's say, you know, we we're talking about the situation before where we have 120 attacks coming out of Squeak Herd that's going to be 20 mortal wounds on addition. So you're asking yourself, would I spend 80 points to do 20 mortal wounds? I think the answer to that question is, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so so maybe he should be more than 80 points. Um, now, the justification is that he's four wounds on a six-up save, but he's just landed in a season where that is is much less of an issue than it used to be um, because not that many people are taking sharpshooters at the moment. So he's realistically not going to get shot that much. What he more has to worry about is like some kind of AOE mortals or something. Um, that's more of the issue. But 
because his uh, his microfiles pouch is just within three, you can really deploy him pretty far back and just you know make sure the guy at the back. So in your squig herd unit, make sure your handlers at the back they're just within three of him. Um, then you're going to be fine. So you can always deploy him like 40 inches away from whatever's going to hit him, um, and you're absolutely fine doing that. So he has that. That's the that's one buff. And then he also has release to squigs, um, which is at the start of the hero phase. Basically, you can move your squig herd. Now you do have to be careful with this. Make sure you don't like move them out of the um, his his other ability, which is in the hero phase. So you do the movement and then you do the buff. So you just have to make sure that you're stringing back um, so you can stay within three. So you can still get your buff off. Um, yeah, and uh, obviously this kind of would make you tilt towards like taking him in a, in a more squeak herd heavy build. But I found even just taking like one unit of 12 squeak herd in a squeak hopper heavy build can be super valuable um, because having like a screen that like goes far up the board can be good at kind of blocking your opponent in depending on the terrain, right? We can make like a line to block my opponent getting on some objectives. So having like a super fast squeak herd unit um, is great and ultimately at 80 points like he doesn't have to make use of this ability to be amazing still so yeah what i what i what i do just to talk about your release to squigs is i actually deployed the squig boss at the front of the line then surround mm. my squig squeak my squig herd around it so um when the squig move they're six plus d6 um i will always still have them within three and it's not as hard to to keep up so um, but when I have him at the back and then they move their, their movement, uh, I need hand of Gork, even then I can't use hand of Gork. Like it's just, I, I get out of sequence. So that's how I, uh, I've gotten around it, but yeah, it's incredible value. This is another unit that I could see going up in points. Um, 80 points is incredible value. Uh, I know I was talking to my mate, Austin, uh, Ozzy, you know, he's like, he's run two, he runs two units of 24 squigs. He's like, I need two squig bosses. And I'm like, yeah, you probably do actually. I mean, all, all of those things are so cheap, but Squig Herd is so cheap as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I, anyway. they're, probably both, they're probably both going up. Do you want to talk about any other units and, or do we want to go to lists? Um, maybe, maybe let's just cover some of the, some of the heroes, I think. Um, sure. Sure. All right. So we've got Scraggy, we got the Madcap Shaman, we got the Fungoid. Um, yeah, so um, so Scragrot is the big one that I think you're taking in just about everything. Um, we've we've spoken about how he has the Moon Aura, but also his uh, his Fangs of the Bad Moon spell is amazing. Um, we're in a, a GHB where we can't remove um, enemy heroes that well, but this is one that can do it really well. Um, so 24 inch range, amazing, and basically you roll a number of dice, you go to the casting roll, and a three up, you do a Mortal Wound. So if you if you're casting this on like let's say a nine, you're going to do six mortal wounds on average, which will take out the thing that you need to take out. So um, that's amazing. Um, the other wizards on here, the Madcap and the Fungoid Cave Shaman. Um, I think that these are a little bit weaker than they used to be, um, and the reason for that is because the spell laws gotten quite a bit weaker. So you're only kind of needing Hand of Gork from the spell law. So um, these two. Uh, don't have so much of a use if you're also taking Scragrot. Um, the the things that I would say you'd use them for is for carrying a Momet, or um, in the case of the Fungoid, his little Spore more spell you can kind of use out of the uh, out of the spell portal, and it's it's actually pretty good. Like um, 
it it only be like basically twenty four inch range, but it's like a little D six mortal wound blast that can be pretty handy out of the spell portal. I will call out the spore squig on the fungoid cave shaman has actually come useful a few times. So uh, it used to be a four up ward. Now it is uh, it, it basically in a, not visible to enemy units more than outside of 12 inches away. So um, as I'm positioning up the board, especially with my moon clan, and maybe I don't want to be hanging around, or even if I do hang around troops, it doesn't matter. Um, being untargetable for 12 inch outside of 12 has actually been really helpful um especially as like gcs are trying to capture objectives but yes i would agree with you overall i would say the reason i take them has gotten less i don't need them as much as i used to in the old book mm. yeah yeah for sure uh, and also shout out Zach, thank you so much for the super chat. Um, fingers crossed the web spinner shaman gets that hero keyword. <laughs> yes, that should be fixed. Please fix it. Uh, craziness that there's a couple of those in the book, but I'm sure they'll be eroded. Surely. Yeah. Also, the uh, shout out to the the Arachnorok spider with Flinger not having the single keyword. Um, so I'm looking forward to the fact where he's back to being single and ready to mingle. But for now, we can uh, reinforce only the Flinger. <laughs> you can reinforce you can take two flingers but anyway there's a couple of things like that like like you said we said the gobapalooza shouldn't stack um you shouldn't be able to do that i think zarbag's git's got a really good glow up because one of my gripes with zarbag was his spell was within three inches so zarbag had to be in combat <laughs> in order to cast his spell and do anything now it's actually not too bad the range has improved and the ability has improved so uh, I actually wouldn't mind playing with Zarbag's Gits in a King's Gits list. Um, yeah. Anything and, you uh, want to pull out? Yeah, his Jealous Hex spell is, like, amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, it's one of those ones where I kind of like these sorts of spells being in the game because it's pretty unreliable to get off because he doesn't have, like, bonuses to cast or anything. But if he does get it off... It's like it's like spell it's complete doom for whatever hero he puts it on it's like you're not doing much in combat anymore most of the time if you don't have buffs and then you're not getting bonuses to save so super handy um and i always like these units where it's like you get a hero and then you get some dudes that come with him um i think he still has the situation where he's got a unit of one fanatic which is just it's just so it's, funny yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah the okay. uh, the loon the loon boss is still valuable to me um and i love the change to the command ability and uh one more thing i'll say and then i'll pass the mic over to you is i never ran the loon boss with giant cave squig um i converted mine up as like an, an anvil of apotheosis i went out and sought out one so i ju just got one two weeks ago uh because in my stabbers build so in when i run stabbers it's like 120 160 somewhere stabbers if I'm running a block of 60 and I want to try to get around, you know, not having multiple inspiring presences, um, I think the Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squeak is a good tool to have up my sleeve. Mike, Mike's yours. Yeah, um, I've, uh, I, I'm actually a fan of him. Uh, <laughs> I, I've run some uh, occasional meme lists with about four of them in there, which is like good fun. Um, yeah, it's actually pretty good with 30 squeak hoppers because you can go like, all right, I'm going to do 43 mortal wounds. And then like, let's say you do eight mortal wounds. You're adding 24 to the bravery of the squeak hoppers. <laughs> so bravery 28 squeak hoppers. Now, obviously, you know, that's a bit of a meme, but also um, he's just really good in combat, like exceptional in combat. Um, and in, in this uh, in this GHB, is it's actually good to have these sorts of like handy... Um, 
yeah, like combat heroes that are Galatian champions. So and, yeah, he, and he has seven good. wounds. He has seven wounds. It's one of the, the most mm. durable grot heroes that we have. Yes, the monsters, but he's actually not bad. Could be could be a good candidate for your, your general. Yeah, and uh, his gobbled up ability is heaps of fun. Um, it's just equal or greater than the wounds characteristic. So basically, his squig is better at eating things than Gargan's for putting things in bags. So um, yeah, uh, rub that into your, your Gargan's players that you know locally. This is just a better version of the same rule. Uh, super handy. Like I think you can actually like on like for example, you, you're in combat against like you know your trog style unit, four up killer trog. It's pretty good. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, it's quite helpful. Uh, and I'm I am your local Gargan player as well, so that we'll, I, I won't take that to heart. <laughs> <laughs> but the Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squeak, funnily enough, good rules. You can't buy it on the GW website. It's actually not even doesn't exist. So who knows what's going on there? That the Moon the Loon Boss I was really happy to see because uh, again you want to run the the mortals on sixes, but that would conflict with all that attack. And it always goes back to the debate with stabbers. Do you have swords? Do you have spears? Spears hit on five, swords hit on fours. So I would mm. every day of the week put swords because then I'm hitting on threes and I've still got a decent wound. Um, hitting on fives with the loon boss just makes no sense. But what are your, yep. what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, the big change with this guy is uh, that his, uh, his, his ability now works on squigs. Um, so... The, the thing is with it is uh so it doesn't work on squeak herd right because we said before they can't receive commands so the loon boss is more for your boing grots um or your squeak hoppers um to give them plus one to hit and then another source of mortals so your squeak hoppers can have sixes to hit do mortals from your squig boss and then sixes to wound do mortals from your loon boss you can be on a situation where let's say you've got globalpalooza plus one rend and moonface moment you basically rend three on your squigs um, and you could have five attacks if you get the snuffles off. So um, if you got those buffs, um, 10 hoppers kills 10 chosen in one activation. Um, yeah, so the, this kind of uh, this kind of buff unit, you can really see how it stacks up with all the buffs that we've, we've mentioned earlier. It's like really good, yeah. I think it's worth calling out as well. I'll, I'll call out Aussie's uh, comment here, a tiny squig devouring a Varangard. I want yeah. to see that. If anyone, if that happens, I want you to take a photo, send it to me. That's uh, that's twenty four karat gold. But uh, the the moon boss ability, I never actually thought about that until last weekend because I normally just put it on stabbers. Like that's normally my thing: stabbers run around doing mortals on sixes. But being able to do it on boy and grots and hoppers um, who have a lot of attacks is really helpful. Um, yeah, that's great. And again, if you can put it on your general, you've got an extended range. Uh, you know it's easier to catch mm. up and, and, and give that buff out too. Yeah. He's definitely, um, he definitely requires being the general, I think, because 12 inch range and 18 inch range is, is a pretty big difference. Um, he used to actually be 24 when he was the general, which is amazing. Um, but still, <laughs> yeah. still really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, anything else you'd want to say with the moon clan, these three? No, I think, I think, yeah, I think we covered most of it. Yeah. To the squeak boss. Uh, all right, so we talked Gobblepalooza already. Um, let's be honest, it's a double caster. It's ridiculous. You can pick a spell law, which is helpful. Uh, in addition, they have one of three abilities that are automatic, and uh, we might as well not read the others uh, because everyone uses the uh, the poisoned. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it just basically adds rend minus one extra. So um, at the moment, you can currently can stack it. It won't end like that, so please don't go buy multiple Gobba Paloozas, even though you can't. They've been sold out for ages. 
Um, but why else do you like the Gobapalooza? Um, these are quite interesting. So day one, I went out, uh, I went out in TTS and played four of them. Um, I was basically playing four Gobapaloozas and then 60 shooters and 30 squeak hoppers. Um, and that was ridiculous. Um, because not, not only is the, the plus one, um, to run really good, the plus one to run and charge on hoppers is actually really good because they, they do actually run and charge. Um, so mm. you're getting the double benefit there. So I was often going like plus two rend and then plus two run and charge um, and then yeeting them up the board. Now, I, I'm assuming that's not going to stay on. So we're probably only going to be able to have like one of the one of the buffs or maybe not be able to stack the same buff more than once. Um, and in that case, I think basically, although you can take multiple of these, you probably are going to settle on taking one of them. Um, yeah, because uh, the... The wizards lose value after the first unit um, because, you know, you've already got your spell law covered by Scragrot. So most of what they're casting is their own spells. So if you've already got a unit of Gobapalooza, your second unit of Gobapalooza, unless you've got endless spells, doesn't really have that much to do. So, um, you know, and actually, I think even at the moment, I think one is probably the best, even though you can stack the stuff. Um, just because other than that, they don't really do anything on the board. Um, they're terrible in combat. And uh, which is a shame because Scaremonger used to be like an absolute Chad in combat, and now he's gone down to one attack. He used to be four attacks, fours and threes, neg one, d three. Just, just like I would just send him around on like little solo missions. He was, he was amazing. Uh, but he's down to one attack now. Yeah, I see what what I found really valuable from the Gobapalooza, the mas the mesmerized spell from Boggle Eye. You know, it's twelve mm. inch range, so it's a little bit short. But being able to start stop my opponent issuing or receiving commands uh, on one unit until my next hero phase, protecting myself from the double. If I'm going to charge in with you know my boy and grots or whatever it might be into that tanky hero, being able to stop the all out defense, which is really another source of ren minus one. If I can't do that, um, obviously they can still finest hour, but that that requires hindsight. I like that spell. I like it a lot. Yeah, and uh, the other spell, which is Fungoid Cloud from the Shrewmancer, is a really great spell. But as we were saying before, we kind of already have minus one to hit. So um, this is an awesome spell. Like, it's the same as the Firebelly spell from from uh, Ogre Moor Tribes. But um, yeah, it can be kind of nice to get minus two to hit. So even if your opponent puts on all that attack, there's still minus one to hit. But um, it's not, yeah, it's not completely game break or anything. Or it could be helpful if you're not taking your like your stabbers or other minuses, right? Mm. Like if you're running a mm. trog build, these would be really helpful with your trog builds. Yeah, but yeah. I've already got like an industrial amount of netters and minuses to hit here and there that I don't need another one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One call out with the stabbers is the I'm gonna call out the obvious one, which is it can contest objectives outside of within nine inches as opposed to traditionally the six when there's 20 or more models. So um, for me, uh, I, I reinforced my stabbers so it was a unit of 40, so mm. I could guarantee that that benefit. But I found it really valuable, right? In one particular game against an Iron Jaws player who was going to charge up the board, I could still hold an objective and tag it outside of nine to make his charger just so much harder. But at the same time, as I'm advancing up the board or maybe something's holding an objective, I can move those stabbers up and claim it even though... I'd have to be in combat normally with another unit. What are your thoughts on stabbers? Um, so the stabbers are good, but uh, they've become, I would say, rather a boring unit um, in that they don't really do much damage. So the, the main use of these guys now is like holding objectives. Um, yeah, it's just bums on seats, basically. So um, the, yeah, 
what Kosha's saying about um, reinforcing it is definitely true because, you know, if you're running just 20 and you lose one guy, then uh, you don't get to contest within nine anymore. Um, the one way you could wrangle using 20 is you kind of use them as like additional bodies on the objective behind your front line. So you have like a front line of like, let's say like nine rock guts or something, and you're sticking these guys behind the rock guts. So then your rock guts are on the objective um, and they only count as six, but you've got like your little contingent of stabbers, 20 stabbers that count as 20. You just stick them behind your rock guts. They're protected, but they still count for the objective. So um, that can be used for these as well. Um, but more often than not, I'm taking the shooters if I'm taking well, the moon that was, lads. That was the segue here. <laughs> shooters are superior to stabbers. Now I had this, I had this issue because this list that I submitted, as you said, uh, I had 40 stabbers and I originally was going to do 40 shooters and one, they're not all painted. So I'm like, I'm going to go with what's fully painted already, but two, I wanted to try that nine inch contesting objectives and you're mm -hmm. right i think i was underwhelmed with the amount of damage so I, I was not a fan like they're they're the anvil they sit there they take damage the minus one they rally back on four ups they're objective holders they are screens they're not damage dealers um talk to me about shooters and would you agree that shooters are superior to stabbers yeah i think in general that that the shooters are, are better than stabbers um I think the, the main thing is with shooters is just how cheap they are relative to the output. Like it's 125 points for 40 shots. Um, it is fours and fives, but like with, with 20 inch range, you're just doing like a good amount of chip damage, um, which is all you kind of need to do to justify taking this sort of unit because most of what it's going to be used for is like a screen or like clogging up the board. As I was saying before, it's not the most interesting unit, to play with um and the stabbers are not e either but it's just very effective like you know board control objective control shooting off screens it's kind of everything you want with this sort of unit yeah yeah and they come with the nets as well so if you want that defensive and the cool thing is the nets have changed so it's not measuring the the models within two inches of a net get minus one to hit it's now just when you're in combat with a unit with a net it's minus one so you you realistically if you're going to run a moon clan uh shooters list you have one net so everyone's yep. minus one and then you have everyone else with a bow because uh you used to always max out your nets you'd always use your three and every three and every 20. I was joking the other day because I was playing against uh, Stormcast and um, I got given first turn and he had a lot of stuff off the board. So I teleported 60 shooters and basically lined them up across the entire board so he could only deploy in his deployment zone. And I had one net. I had one net like all the way at the back of the board. And now it works that hit that net. He's just like doing past the parcel all the way down the line to the other, you know, the other guy 60 inches across the board because <laughs> he also gets the net benefit even though, um, yeah, they're so far away. It's funny. It's, ridic yeah. it's ridiculous. Would you would you always take a unit of Gobba Palooza to support your shooters, or do you think they're good enough without the Ren minus one poison, whatever uh, the, po the potion? Um, actually, uh, in one of the one of the main tournaments I'm doing a TTS at the moment, I actually don't have Gobba Palooza, and I have a unit of sixty of these. Um, because what I'm more using them for, if I have thirty hoppers in the same list, is just clogging up the board, uh, shooting off screens, um, and you kind of don't need Gobapalooza to do that. And the difficulty with Gobapalooza is I have to be wholly within twelve. Which, if I'm trying to spread the shooters across the entire board to like clog up the space, um, I can't really do that. 
Now, the, the the value of spreading the shooters across the whole board, like like literally at the start of the game in your deployment zone, you just set up a front line of shooters across your entire front line, um, is that because they have the four-up rally, if you're spreading across the board, um, you can always like kind of uh, pick where you're going to be. Like, let's say they go in and they kill like 55 shooters. You go like, I want to be over here now. And you remove all your stuff and you have like a little, you, like, little contingent of five shooters left. And then you're rallying, you're rolling 55 dice. Um, you're going to get like 27 shooters back. And then in your turn, you can do Hannah Gork and spread them across the board again. And we're back to where we were. So um, super filthy unit. Yeah. But just kind of not sexy in a certain way. Yeah. See, so I guess the point you're making here is you're not treating your shooters like a Lumineth castle, right? You're not bunching them all up together and trying to like just block out the sun. You're using them, you know, 25 mil bases. You can clog up the board, you know, just have little t bow tags at the end when you're, you know, stringing them all out. And you, you that's how you're using them as opposed to, again, yeah, the, the, the shooty castle. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can if yep. you want to, but it's, it's not yes. probably the yes. most effective of the, your, your investment. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's uh, they can be used in a variety of different ways. I would say, yeah, 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 and and that's and and for 125 and counting as your battle line, and there's no Galatian veterans and uh, bounty hunters to worry about at the moment. Uh, they're they're a great option. They're a really good option, and you get 20 for every 125. So the points is just yeah, it's very cheap. Yeah, I think the the next three we've mostly talked about it just uh. It, we would be remiss not to talk about the fanatics getting three inch range. Like, cannot be overstated how happy I'm about that. Because <laughs> one inch range in the old book drove me insane. It's just like you'd set them up behind the line, your opponent go, "Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not going to get within one inch." Yeah, I will say as well that I'm happy that the loon smasher fanatics and the spore splatter lost the splat rule. Um, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what splat was, when you roll your charge, if you roll a double. Uh, so we're double one, double six, double four, they would take damage. So they would like entangle themselves as they're swinging around their, uh, their, their boulders. So uh, that is still good. They're still susceptible to um, stomp, which makes me cry yes. a little bit, but um, just be smarter with where you, you go for your fanatics. Yeah. Because of stomp, I've, kind of move towards taking these in units of 10 um then rather than five now the five is um i think more points efficient if you're not worried about versing monsters and stuff but i just not i like not having to worry about that kind of thing um i like having like a unit that i know can go in and kill a monster so um if you have 10 you know even if you're losing three to the stomp the seven should still murder whatever's there like seven seven fanatics is amazing um yeah I, I i find the 10 is better um but i have also run five a lot um and five can be good like let's say in your your grin cracks loon court unit of like six dudes i like having just a cheeky five unit of, of fanatics in there to kind of just challenge stuff um that's going to come into you so super good they're only 110 points so like super cheap for what they do yeah my problem is i'm running out of reinforcement points um yes Yes. When, you, when you know you're double reinforcing or single reinforcing those shooters or stabbers you have a squeak herd or what you do is your hoppers there's another two points it's like you can only reinforce so many and unfortunately mm. for me i don't have the points to reinforce into a unit of fanatics unless they are my focused destruction piece 
Yeah, so I think um, the the main thing that's going to take reinforcement points that feels like it's a little bit of a tax is Boingrots because they're fives. Um, yes. So as soon as you've got Boingrots, I don't think you're taking units of 10 Fanatics. That, that's the way in my head it, it works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll show you my list a little bit later. But um, Squigs, Squigs, um, Mangler Squig. I've already talked about some of my crying. Like I, I truly, truly cry because it's a great unit. It's gotten more consistent. It had, you know, some extra wounds. Uh, the ball and chain has improved. There's a whole bunch of cool improvements, um, but it is expensive. Uh, where do you stand on the Mangler Squig, the Loon Boss Mangler Squig specifically? Yeah, so I think... Um... So the plus one to wound buff is really good because it's not something we can access anywhere else in the army. Um, and that was the main thing I was using it before in the old book is that plus one to wound aura. Now, it's once per game, which feels like a little bit of a rough nerf. Um, and you would actually use it more than once per game. Like some buffs, um, like sometimes with the loon boss in this book, I find myself only using it for like one key turn, really. But this one is one that you would use all the time because it's an aura um now there's some benefits to it not being a command ability um namely that you can use it on squeak herd right it's one of like the few buffs that they can receive so that's pretty mm. good um but the problem with this unit which has always been the problem is it's just too weak to shooting um like 14 wounds of the four up save it's at that like that zone where it can die to all sorts of things from shooting um like sentinels can murder it off iron drakes reavers like any shooting unit you can imagine in the game is really good at handling this unit um and as a general you don't really want him to just die uh so that's where i'm at on the loom boss and mangler squig um and i also think at 370 it's just a bit too much of a hole um in the army's points right so where where i'm currently at and i've been talking to a few people just kind of like list crack theorying right so Hundred three three seventy is the loon boss on Mangler. For an extra hundred odd points, I can get myself a Mega Gargant. Yeah, which can yeah. smash, and it has way more wounds. Now, obviously, that it has no mushroom. There's no there's certain things it doesn't have, right? But if I want that real kill piece, I could either go into Kragnos, uh, for, you know, get more points to get Craggy in there, which would synergize nicely with Boingrots and and Hoppers getting three six charges and things like that. Um, I could go the I don't want to say it the Incarnate of Gur, another kill piece that has a bit more durability. Um, yep. I could go Mega Gargant. I could go to what you had, which is the you know the the tr the Trog, or I can go I can put those four hundred points into more Hoppers, more Squigs, more bodies, more things. So. I'm, I haven't got a conclusion just yet, but um, it does make me wonder if I, because I didn't run Sneaky Snufflers. I, I had a choice mm. of Sneaky sneaky Snufflers versus Gobapalooza. I chose Gobapalooza. I think I chose wrongly. Um, I think I'd much rather the Sneaky Snufflers, and I'd like to see how this unit works with a five-up ward, um, because then it's much more durable. Yeah, I, I think the only problem with doing that is then it becomes like, basically 480 points um yeah. which is kind of a lot right um Goldpalooza is pretty good on this one though because you can give it like plus one to hit and wound right which is like great um so from the the Bruget dude um so that, that's I, use it, I, I, I use it on my herd like i yeah. use it oh, yeah, on that, my that's herd, the problem the right yeah. yeah 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 that's the problem it's like if you sit down and do the math it's like any equivalent points of this guy in any battle line squig unit is going to be better um, the the non-hero one, the Mangler Squig, I'm more of a fan of because it, it can kind of like 
lean more into the like yeet and delete kind of play style. Like you can really send it in um, and just do the boing, boing, move 3d6 and just hit something that you need to kill. Um, and it's aside from shooters, like one of the only ways that squigs can kind of get to something in the back line. Um, so that can be pretty good. The other thing that's big about the mangler squig is it takes up a behemoth slot. So if you're trying to be one drop, um, this is like one of the only ways to do it because, because our army is so cheap in terms of points, you actually, uh, you struggle to fit 2000 points into a one drop. Um, I remember like one of the first lists I was running was like 1865 points because like, uh, I wanted the triumph. And I was like, well, I still want to be one drop. And I was like, I, th I think I'm kind of okay with playing 130 points down. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then later I put in the uh, the malevolent move in the spell. But um, anyway, this one's pretty good for one drop. Um, I probably wouldn't run it otherwise. But yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's much cheaper than the loon boss. Yeah, yeah. It's much cheaper. Obviously, you don't get the plus one to wound bubble once per game. But I guess it's like how important that is. And obviously, you can't get fight another day. So... Uh, I'm going to test the the Mangler Squig uh, and scale it back a little. I think there might be some play there, but the, the Loon Boss on Mangler is a little bit too expensive for me. The Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig, I thought it might be a nice little one-two punch with Boingrots. I haven't mm. pulled the trigger on that just yet, um, specifically because of the uh, the Let's Go Bouncing rule. So in the combat phase, uh, you can pick one friendly Boingrot unit that hasn't fought. So if you charge the Boingrot and the Giant Cave Squig together, you hit with the, the giant cave squig first, and then you immediately fight with the boing grots. Uh, and then obviously on the charge, the boing grots do mortals on four up. So, but I haven't pulled the trigger on it just yet. Cause I thought, could I switch it out? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm kind of reluctant to say that it's bad. Cause I, I don't actually think it is bad. It's just, it's situated in a book where there's so much good stuff. Um, and so having like a unit like this, that's just like, it's like a pretty good war scroll. It's good for taking like some gear on it. Like I actually think that fight another day on this guy is pretty good because um, you just like send him in, hit something, make the boy and grots fight, and then like retreat. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, but it's just not quite as like synergistic as you'd want with some of the heroes. Like it's just for that boy and grots thing, and all of that let's get bouncing thing really does is just lets him fight um, without costing you like an activation. So it's more for him than the boy and grots. Um, so it's just okay, I think. Yeah, that's where I've kind of landed. I'm like, do I really need it? Well, the Boingrots can issue commands and do their thing by themselves. Um, obviously, the Squig boss works really well with the Squig herd. Hopefully, this would work well with the Boingrot. I'm not sold just yet. But chat, let me know if you found a combination. I just, I haven't seen it just yet on how I could mm. maximize the the Boingrot and Giant K Squig combo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about your baby boys, <laughs> the, hoppers. the hoppers. Now, now let, let me just put this caveat down. I built my hoppers as a unit of five back in the day where they were units of five. Mm. And I and the only reason at that point in time, back in 2019, was I'm like, I want a cheap screen like I used to use the, um, the Ripper Snarlfang. They're cheap. Mm. They're fast. They can go steal objectives. They can go annoy people and they don't cost me a lot of points. They got changed, so they're now units of 10, so the big block of 20 wounds, um, and you can double reinforce them as Stuart likes to do it. What's what's so good about them, and how did that help you get four and one? Okay, so I, I've played an absolute ridiculous amount of games with this unit um, because it, it kind of 
it started off as a meme because I remember when when the old uh, so the, the GHP previous and now started out. I was like, you can. I, I just kind of worked out you could double reinforce them with what rallied. I'm like, yeah, but they're bravery four. So like, isn't that a problem? As it turns out, it's actually not as much of a problem as you would think. Um, yeah, and actually, as I was saying before, it can be kind of a benefit if you're trying to get outside of combat. Um, the big thing with this unit that makes them unique in this book is that you can take uh 60 wounds of them um which you can with stabbers and shooters but they have the benefit of also being mobile um and that means you can string them across the board so you can send them into your opponent and then at the same time kind of bring the the back half of the unit back into your deployment um you can fight up there take a hit then remove models back to where you are in deployment um and then safely rally them and because you're mobile you can send them back in um the problem with the stabbers and the shooters is because they're very slow if you're like rallying them back in your deployment zone, it can kind of take them out of the game for a couple of turns, but the hoppers that doesn't happen. Yeah. Can I just quickly acknowledge your comment in the chat? And and our frog mob is a great, is actually 100% correct. Just I want to talk about a, a, a throwaway comment that you made that is not quite true and you uh, it doesn't matter. Um, so when we talked about the 60 the shooters and you die, 55 of them die and there's only five remaining, yes, when you bring back models, they have to return within one inch of a model that is not being returned. So, yes, in a literal sense, you can't do what we talked about. Um, not quite true. Actually, but- actually, you can with the shooters. Um, and there is, So if, if you space them properly so they're an inch apart, the thing is because they're 25 millimeter bases, you can basically return models in two ranks um so because of that you should be able to fit something like that around around the shooters yeah 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 yeah, what i was going to say is what you need to do so depending on how you've set it up and how you've pulled out as long as you remain coherent having one model within one inch then because of the 25 mil base yeah you can do two maybe not 55 but it definitely can return a lot if you play smart and you position well so but if you clump them up like this yeah probably not no, no. Like if you have them in like a, a single cell of five, it's going to be too hard. But yeah, I, I promise you, I promise you. Uh, yeah, I've had enough games on this. Like you, you definitely can rally more than you think you can, even with the hoppers, um, as long as you've you've done it right at the back. Yeah. So talk more about the hoppers, right? So why why would you reinforce hoppers? Because, you know, if I look at hoppers versus Boingrots, I'm like, well, I'll do hop Boingrots. They have a four up save. They do mortals on the charge. They they do more damage in combat like what's the what's the sell on hoppers yeah so i think um but the four up rally is the sell um because with the boing rots you know let's say you lose 10 you're only rolling five dice you might get five back and you're only up to 10 um so that's that's the big sell but there, there are so many factors that go into this so the original reason i started playing the hoppers was because um they were the only unit in the army that could be 60 wounds and not be bounty huntable. Okay, so back in the old book, if you wanted to run 60 wounds, you're looking at this or stabbers or shooters, but they would get, you know, double damage against them. So hoppers were the most durable thing. Um, Now I was worried that hoppers would be a little bit doomed this season because, um, well, they're not, um, you know, the the bounty hunters benefits gone a little bit. So if I was comparing, like if it was still the old book and we were comparing shooters and hoppers now, I would be leaning much more towards shooters um you know with with the old damage buffs and such um but the thing that's come up now is the five up ward okay so um 
you know what I was saying before about the relationship between wounds and a ward save. Um, the five up ward is more valuable on the hoppers than it is on the bounders um, because you have you have sixty wounds as opposed to thirty wounds. Um, and I also think that a four up save um, has value until you face rend. Right, like if your opponent's rend three. And you're sitting there with squeak hoppers. It's like, well, I have an eight plus save. I don't, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I didn't have one to begin with. But with the bounders, you know, you've gone from, you know, basically thirty wounds of four up save to just like thirty wounds with no save, which is the same thing the hoppers have, right? So in that situation, when your opponent has ran three, fifteen boing rots is exactly half as durable as thirty hoppers. Okay, um, and it's only like it's I think it's like a hundred points cheaper. So yeah, there's like a number of factors here. The five up, um, the five up ward, the number the five, of wounds. The five up, by the way, is snufflers. If anyone hasn't connected yes. just just yet, so we, yeah. we squig hoppers don't natively have a five up ward. Uh, we are buffing them up with squig hoppers. So with, with uh, sneaky snufflers, sneaky snufflers. Yeah. So the the ward and then the rally, um, and and just the the way all those things work together. Um, you know, the other thing to consider is like the massive footprint of the unit. Um, which makes it much easier to string back into buffs. So realistically, you can like send them in and then be within three of Green Crack, the the Underworld's Warband, which gives pile in if he's within uh, pile in on death. If you're within three of them, you can string back to him, Magarezi. You can string back to be in a situation where the Squig Boss can still buff him again on your turn. You can string back to be where the Snufflers can still buff him, um, where Scragrot can be holy within twelve to make sure they can rally. There's all sorts of things that um, in this army, it's it's benefit to string backwards. Um, so compared to Boingrots, this is uh, more of a like a, a repeatedly buffable unit. I would say Boingrots are more like if we look at Stormcast, if you look at Fulminators, they, they kind of have a similar role to Boingrots in my mind. Like the damage gets a lot better on the charge and uh, 15 Boingrots fully buffed will delete absolutely anything in this game. Like the damage that 15 Boingrots do now with sixes to hit, do immortals, sixes to wound, do immortals, and bonus rend. Like, if they have plus one rend from Palooza, the Lancers are rend three, damage two on the charge. And it just, just murder anything. Yeah. Yeah, your, your hoppers, so what you're doing, uh, a couple of other call-outs is the speed on a squig hopper is just incredible. Mm. D6 plus, uh, sorry, sorry, 10 plus D6. And then if, if you're under the light of the bad moon, you can run and charge. So you might apply a command point to get another six. Um, and then you've obviously got the charge as well. So straight up, that speed is just insanity. Um, but the other thing as well is um, the amount of mortal wounds. So when your Boingrot's charge on a four up, they do a mortal wound. A Boingrot unit comes in fives, right? So if you reinforce mm. them, that's 10 dice. If you reinforce a unit of squig hoppers, which is now 10, uh, 20, you are statistically more likely to do more mortal wounds from squig hoppers than you would Boingrots. Now, Boingrots do more damage with their bites and their uh, lance attacks, especially the lance attacks. Um, so you're doing more damage in combat, but you're doing more mortals from the squig hoppers. And like, would you mystic shield them on squig hoppers? I mean, I guess it depends on who I'm going into. If they've only got Ren minus one, maybe. But with mystic shield being short range, I guess, I mean, Boingrots gives you more value. But I guess it depends on like, I think again, if they got Ren minus two, and they've got a six up save, it's like it's not it's still not even worth it. Yeah, in the old book, I would have Mystic Shielded them more now, but uh, because we have the Loon Boss buff, right? Um, which is for like all that attack and mortals. I find when I'm like piling on death, 
I want to put that on. So usually on my opponent's turn, instead of doing all-out defense, I'm just waiting. And then when I start piling on death, I use that all-out attack ability from the loon boss. And then, you know, we do more damage. So uh, because of that, because we're not also using all-out defense, I find Mystic Shield rarely goes on on this unit. Um, I tend to either not cast Mystic Shield or I chuck it on the Boing Grots because the Boing Grots with a four-up save are a great recipient of it. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's where compared to those two units, yeah, my boy and Grot's going. But if I've got the Mangler, I'm putting on my Mangler um, just to keep it around a little longer. Yeah. Squid. Yeah. Anything else? I just want to say with the movement change, um, it's obviously great for hoppers, but I think it's even better for the bounders because like 3d6 was unreliable, but 2d6 was unbelievably unreliable. <laughs> like, like it could go either way with 2d6. So. Uh, yeah, going to D6 plus 7 makes the Boring Rats like, way more reliable to play with. Um, because believe it or not, with the Hoppers, with 3D6, I wouldn't say it actually lost me many games um, rolling low. Because, you know, even if you roll low, you probably roll like 6, and then you can run them 6, and they're still moving 12 inches, right? So um, with them, it was less of an issue with the Boring Rats, where if you roll a double 1 or whatever, they're really just stuck. It's just a big problem. Yeah. I think I caught out my opponents just on the speed that these are. I mean, obviously I told them what they can do and things like that, but I think all five of my opponents were just amazed how fast this, this army is. And then when you add the mortal wounds from various ways and the rend and the extra attacks, um, they're just a great mobile army. And we know Age of Sigma is one through movement and not necessarily through damage or, you know, combat. So Having those tools, you know, even if I've got a couple of squeak hoppers, they can threaten objectives, they can jump over screens, they can be doing, they can be doing things throughout the game um, that normally like one or two idiots wouldn't do anything, but they they do stuff. Yeah. Now the big the big difference between these two units is like the way that the mortal wounds work. So with hoppers, it's like basically in the movement phase with normal move, run, or retreat, and the boingrots is when they charge. Um, the hoppers version is better at dealing with screens. So if your opponent chucks a screen up, you can, you can just like yeet over the screen, come back, delete the screen, and then charge to whatever's behind them. Um, the problem with the Boingrots one I find is that because the squigs are still one inch reach, um, if your opponent like removes some stuff at the front, you can kind of deny yourself some attacks, whereas the hoppers really don't have that problem. That's the yeah. only problem I found with the boring grots. Yeah, yeah, I found I found that happen a few times actually, um, where I because of the mortal wounds, I removed myself from certain combats, um, which is why probably I wouldn't go any more than a unit of ten, mm. um, just because mm. unit of fifteen, I just I lose too many attacks with the range. Yep. Yeah, I agree. We've already talked squeak herd, mate, uh, and like they're just incredible. Like they just do three attacks each, ren one, damage one. They do mortal wounds, a bravery of three. So every time one of them runs away on a two up, you can pick an enemy unit within nine inches, which is an extension. And it used to be you had to pick the closest unit within six. Um, so being able to like just delete support heroes or things that you weren't even in combat with if they're within nine um, is is wonderful. Uh, the other thing I, I want to call out, and I really enjoyed this rule is the the way that you can bring back squigs mm-hmm. so you can't rally them but two in, two in every 10 squig herd is a herder and in your hero phase you can roll a dice for each of your herders on a roll of a one the herder is dead on a roll of a two plus you can return d3 squigs back squigs are two wounds each uh so with me i double reinforced mine so i had six herders I was easily bringing back 10 squigs a turn. And because it's not a rally, I couldn't care less if I'm in combat. No, yep. no issue. 
yep. just keep coming back. Um, there is an interaction with this unit, which will obviously be fact, which is that when you remove models from coherency, um, they count as fleeing. So oh, yeah, I've seen. Yeah. Now, I was I'll... doing that for a whole six months, apparently, and it... <laughs> Apparently that There's, should have been fact, but yeah. yeah, I've I've seen some house rules at tournaments already coming in saying that fleeing models don't like they don't trigger that ability. So don't don't be a cheese merchant, folks. Just yeah, because because we'll get nerfed to the to the sun if we keep doing this. There's no way that's going to be allowed because the other thing with the herding squeaks rule, right, is it doesn't say you can't roll it if there's no dead squeaks. So. Um, there's ways to guarantee that you're going to roll a battle shock if you just like if you have six of them and you're just rolling six dice, probably one of them's going to die. So you can guarantee that you're going to have one model dead for battle shocks. If you want to do some like sneaky mortal wounds to something at the back, that might be a cute little play um, to get some more units, uh, more models in the unit dead. Right? Yeah. Don't do that. But squeak <laughs> heard are great. They battle they battle line. If you, you know, conditional battle line, um, they slap. You know, double reinforced unit, seventy two wounds that I can keep regenerating. Mm. Um, they're just incredible. I, I one hundred and twenty points. It's pretty good. <laughs> I get the feeling uh, their points are either going to increase or I, I think their points have got to go up. Um, unfortunately, the, it's just they're just too good. The other ones, is there anything you'd want to say? Like Ripper's Nullfangs for me, their points went up and they're now unattractive to me. If I want that cheap unit that's going to go cap objectives, I'd probably go to unit of five Spider Riders. Yep. Um, Ripper's, the, the Snarlfang Riders for me don't do enough. So I probably wouldn't go that. But the Ale Guzzler Gargant having a 3D6 charge now um yeah. and being able to charge within 18 inches as opposed to 12 makes and and it doesn't have the 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 stumble now so you have to roll three triples which i don't know the maths but statistically very unlikely um has me reconsidering the ale guzzler gargant what's yeah. your thoughts on the three here on the screen um we uh we've been calling the gargant uh we've been calling this in the chaos gargant like expat gargants like gargants that have gone to work in like a lower tax zone or something to try and make some money because like for some reason they just they just have some extra rules that makes them better than a man crusher gargant um and uh yeah this one's pretty good i think the chaos gargant's a little bit better than this one but he, he's yeah like, with, the, with, with the minus one minus table one, right yeah. yeah uh he's pretty good though um like yeah, again, if you're kind of trying to fit into one drop, this sort of behemoth slot can be pretty handy for making sure you fit in there. So I think uh, for taking basically a raw bot that has 36 charge, it's pretty good. Like, yeah, I don't think it's awful or anything. Um, the two wolf units, which have some of the best models in the army, are just a bit overpriced. Um, which is a really big shame because I love both the models. But anyway, yeah, every 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 list yeah. in my old in my old book would always have the Ripper Snellfang. I always start with Ripper Snellfang. It was a must include. Now it's just too expensive for me. Mm. Um, one thing I want to talk about with the endless spells, and then we go into lists, is um, people in my Discord are obsessed with the Scuttle Tide. Now, where yeah. are you at with Scuttle Tide? Because it was a. I used to run it back in the day where it used to block your movement. So back before uh, you could move through endless spells, I used to love this because I would annoy the crap and block my opponent in their object in their in their zone and just, would just keep triggering it. Um, for me, I love the Malevolent Moon. I'm not a big fan of the Arachnicauldron and Mork's Mighty Mushroom. 
is now too expensive for me again. Like it oh, was, yeah. it, it was, it was okay. And now that we're moving into a meta where I'd actually like to use the mushroom, the price is too expensive. And I'm like, no, where are you at with your endless spells? So just to quickly address the mushroom. So this thing has had a bit of a, a bit of a traumatic past. It's gone from like 80 points to a hundred points down to 40 points. And now it's a hundred points. And it, all of those times, I don't think the War Scrolls really changed. It's just been like the same, but the points just all over the place. Like, <laughs> the point, the War Scrolls never changed. It's bizarre. Um, yeah, now it's way too expensive at 100 again. Um, I think all of these endless spells, with the exception of the Cauldron, because you can't do it, but they're all kind of priced for Loonskin. Um, like, yeah, they're, they're kind of taken with the mind that you're going to get one of them for free, probably. Because um, I don't think any of these three are like the Scuttle Tide, Moon, and Shroom are really worth the points um, if you're not taking Loon Skin. Um, yeah, the Cauldron to address that is it's just gotten like worse. Like one additional spell is not as good as rerolling cast and unbinds. Um, and now knowing the entire Moon Clan lore is kind of irrelevant because it's only four spells now, and Scraggot already knows the whole lore anyway. So I really don't understand the use for this. Um, so. The two best ones are definitely Scuttletide and Malevolent Loon, for sure. Yeah, um, agreed. So the Moon, I would say the main use for this is for getting, um, like, run and charge on the squigs. It's probably the main thing you'd use it for. Like, for your squeak herd alpha or your squeak herd al or your squeak hopper alpha, this thing's really useful. And then the Scuttletide, um, yeah, I think you kind of need some other way to do AoE mortals to make this thing worth it um, because, like, chip damage in this edition of Age of Sigma, it's just not as valuable unless you've got other things to combo with because, you know, everything has rally and everything has, like, heroic recovery for healing. Um, so we're not in a game anymore where it used to be, like, doing a couple wounds to a stone horn or something has some, like, real long-term value. Now it's just going to get healed. So um, unless you're pairing the Scuttle Tide with some other, like, mortar wound output, um, I don't think it's necessarily worth the points. So from for, for me, the best one here is probably the Malevolent Moon. Yeah. Yeah, Scuttle Tide has some good ideas, but where I want to use the Scuttle Tide, I lose. Like I want to hit the castles. I want to hit those mm. magical castles. I want to hit Zanch, Zinch. I want to hit Lumineth. I want to hit those types of armies. And they're the ones that are most likely going to unbind this with ease. So for the points, I think it's, if Scuttle Tide had dropped a little, I'd be a buyer. Um, I think it used to be back in the day, like 40, 50 points. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I, could, I could see, I could see value in that. But yeah. now that it's much higher, I'm like, yeah, nah. Yeah. It's still, you cost like 40 points and block movement and you could take it in armies outside of gets. And I remember taking one, it in ogres. Yeah. Oh, and, and you have plus one to cast from the web spinner shaman, which was lovely. Um, yeah. There's a lot of cool things you could do with it. I, look, if you got the points, I think the challenge for me is if I've got the points to spend on scuttle tide, I'd rather go for the automatic triumph. Because I think yep. we've seen very quickly yep. the importance of having a triumph and actually going to Stuart's list, you can see here that you've actually gone double triumph. So you just see why you want to drop those points. And I'd rather not have that situational endless spell and guarantee myself that triumph as opposed to hope and pray. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my stance on the double triumph in, in general is if you're playing a singles format, I think it's kind of required because you just don't know what you're going to face. But if you're playing a team's format where you can dodge Horror Ghast and Lumineth and the nasty stuff, then you can probably go two drop. But th both the lists um, we're going to talk about today are singles lists. I I'm just I'm, I'm taking this in a singles tournament. Um, it would it would be very different if I took it in a team's tournament. So 
Yeah, we have double Indomitable Triumph. Um, so what makes this Triumph so good in this army is we can roll the Battleshock first and then use the Triumph. So it's really handy for um, units like Sneaky Snufflers where, you know, once I lose three Snufflers, there's a danger that the rest of them run. But because I've got the two Triumphs in the back, I can always take the risk on just rolling like the one or two to keep them there. Um, and if I happen to roll a six, I just say, we're going to burn one of the Triumphs. I keep my Snufflers there. So um, not only is it handy for the big units, but these sorts of like small units where I would really like to keep one there so I can roll a rally, like even Gobapalooza, right? Like I want to keep one there so I can roll a rally on them. It can be super handy for that. Um, yeah. So um, this list has a lot of interesting, weird stuff going on. Um, I just, It's like, it's more of like a, a, a collector style list that has like some strong stuff in there. Um, I don't think it's like optimal, but it's uh, it's like, going to do i think super well um so the main kind of damage that you've got is the 30s quick hoppers um and the the synergy pieces around that are really the the pile in on death from grin crack and then the sixes to hit do mortals from the squeak boss this list does not have the loon boss in it um because i wanted something else as a general and i think in most cases with the buffs from the the squeak boss and the Palooza, so the plus one rend um and the five up ward from the snufflers like these hoppers will do enough um i don't think the loon boss is like absolutely required because most of the time you're doing enough damage anyway um so i think that's fine yeah i, I, might, I might just read out the list really quickly for anyone who's listening later on the podcast so yeah you've got the scuttle boss on gigantic spider who's the general super nasty venom and the headdress of many eyes you got grin crack the great with the underworld's warband that goes with it uh, Scrag up the Loon King, a Squig boss on Nasha Squig, who's the aspect of the champion Tunnel Master for the once per game teleport. You got a unit of 20 shooters, a unit of 20, sorry, a unit of 40 shooters, and a unit of 20 shooters, a unit of 30 Squig hoppers, and a unit of 10 Loon Smasher fanatics, six sneaky, snuff, six sneaky snufflers, five okay. gobbapaloozas, and uh, you've come in at 1950 under Warlord, Battle Regiment, and Galatian Sharpshooters. Warlord obviously getting yourself the extra triumph as your enhancement. Yeah, um, I like, uh, so it's eight drops, um, which is a lot, but it's it's kind of at a sweet spot where it's like a little bit lower than your like double Warlord Fire Slayers armies and stuff like that. So anyone, or like double, double Warlord uh, Nighthorn, um so anyone who's doing that double warlord kind of play style you'll still outdrop. um and then other than that i find that you could also be like uh i think it'd be six drop or something with this list uh, no seven drops um if you went like not a warlord and you went a command entourage instead um but i think it's uh yeah i think it's fine um to go a bit higher drop and to have all the benefits so we can get the once per game extra cp and um, yeah, we have sharpshooters on the shooters as well. So we have basically 60 shooters that can like uh, threaten the hero. Um, most of the time I'm shooting a screen with them, but um, there's a there's a battle plan called Only the Worthy in the, in the current GHB where basically um, only um, if a Galatian champion's on an objective, um, only they can cap it. Um, and this list only has one Galatian champion. So on that battle plan, I really need a way to kill that champion. And so that's why I put the shooters in him shot shooters just so i can have a shot at taking that out so i can actually cap the objective um but then other than that that is kind of the weakness of this list is that we've only got one um galatian champion um now the scuttle boss is the uh the interesting kind of like cameo in here so what i was saying before is like it's one of those units where 
at 130 points, it's not really worth it. But if you invest a command trait and an artifact, it becomes super worth it. So the command trait it's got super nasty, nasty vermin, um, doubles the uh, mortal wounds that its mount does. So basically, if you're rolling a five or a six when you're under the moon, the mount's doing four mortal wounds, which is super handy. Um, and then it's also got the headdress of many eyes where it can only be hit on fives and sixes. So there are some certain things that I just like, lol, we do mortals on fives and sixes, like sentinels. So they don't really care about that. But a lot of like combat stuff, um, like, you know, even like Chaos Chosen, um, it kind of hurts them that they can only hit on fives and sixes. So the main role of this unit um, is just doing like some mortal wounds um, and then kind of like tagging units on the side. Like it's a, it's a super taggy unit. You're just tagging them, and because you're only being hit on fives and sixes, and maybe you've got plus one to to save from the Mystic Shield, you can kind of just stand there and be annoying. Yeah, reminds me a little bit of the Smash Bat from Feck. Like you mm. just have this independent little missile weapon that just goes off. People ignore it because it's like, oh, what's this little spider idiot gonna do? And then it hits you, and you're like, oh, you slap actually pretty hard. While all yep. while your your shooters and your stabbers and everyone's moving around the board and. You, do you put your loon smashers in your 20 or your 40 shooters? Um, I like to people get, uh, keep people guessing about that because you can also put them in the green cracks loon court. So there's, there's quite a few options you can do here. Um, I find in the melee matchup, you maybe want to put it in the 20 shooters because um, you're okay with the unit dying, right? Like you want the shooters to die to whatever charges them so you can bring out the fanatics, hit them for free, and then on your turn, you're going to be striking first. So nothing's going to survive two hits from 10 loon smasher fanatics so um that's what they use for um in a shooting matchup you're going to want to put them in the 40 moon clan um otherwise they can shoot the moon clan like the 20 shooters off and then shoot the fanatics which is the the uh doomsday scenario so um yeah 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 and do the moon clan shooters get uh plus one to save against ranged attacks like the yes netters? they do yeah, like this. They're, like they're, they're, they're only a five up though. So that with the plus one. So the stabbers go down to four up, but yeah. They, they, still, they might live shooting. Yeah. Still helps. Uh look, yeah, yeah it is this is a nice mixed arms list. Um, certainly some interesting combinations, certainly some some different plays, uh, which I really enjoy. Um the other like this this is your other version, which I thought um I this is probably more my style to be honest. And it reminds me a little bit back when like Nathan Prescott and I were all running around with seven endless spells on the table, going absolute ham. Uh unfortunately we can't do that anymore. You can't do seven endless spells. We're restricted to three, but um the other one being a bad snatcher. So oh by the way, just uh just to remind you, the jaws of mork will be plus one yeah. attack on the charge your squigs which would be primarily your squig hoppers yeah yeah now i'm curious about this one because i haven't tinkered with bad snatches as much and i already said i'm, I'm probably not as a big of a fan compared to like your king's gits but your bad snatches with chasing the moon and chasing the moon really needs that durable hero general which the tank the dank hold trog boss falls into play if you're mm. doing the loon boss or a fungoid no Yep. Uh, but you've also got so you got the loon skin and the glowy housed. You got Scraggy. You've got the fungoid cave shaman with hand of gork, web spinner shaman, sneaky distraction, tunnel master, sneaky snufflers, sixty shooters, twenty shooters, twenty shooters, five gobapalooza twice. Uh, one having itchy nuisance, one having hand of gork, ten fanatics, and then you've got loon skin scuttle tied for free, and then you've got umbral spell portal horror ghast at nineteen fifteen double triumph. Yeah, 
So um, I always liked writing uh, lists that beat my own lists. And this one definitely murders the other list we just talked about. Um, so th there's a number of reasons for that. So we've taken Horogast in the Gits list, which I think is some sort of like cannibalism or something. But um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's super good for taking out um, like these big units, which I think otherwise the list would struggle to kill. Um, and yeah, it's it's sort of more like a like a Lumineth style castle, but the Gits version. Um, so the the main thing you're looking to do is to to buff up the shooters at the moment with plus two Ren from the two gold palooses, um, and then shoot something, and then with the horror gas, you, you basically can can battle shock them off. Um, so against the previous list. I'm looking to shoot the 30 hoppers off. Um, you know, 60, 60 shooters should kill like heaps of those. Um, and then the horror ghast should hopefully get rid of the rest of them. Um, and with the horror ghast and the spell portal, um, the horror ghast at the end of the, the hero phase when it moves can elect to go through the spell portal and then be set up. So it ba basically has like a massive amount of range. So there's no real way that the, um, the squeak hoppers can hide. And of course, with the shooters, I can just use Hand of Gork and teleport them up. So from the previous list perspective, there's almost no counterplay to this just taking off 30 hoppers turn one. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's really handy. Um, and the reason I've gone 1915, I think if you're going to take Horogast in the current meta, you're really looking to have like a ridiculous triumph bid because in order to make the Horogast really useful, you need to make sure your opponent doesn't have the indomitable triumph. So you're going to need to also go for your own triumph. So if you're doing that, you're going to want to write a list that really gets some value out of taking the triumph um, maybe you want to take two triumphs or you want to take like a shooting unit that otherwise has no access to plus one to wound which is like shooters right like the inspired changes them from fives to fours which is a big deal yeah, yeah. um so there are other armies in the game that can do something similar to this but um yeah this is uh this is an interesting list um it, it's basically like a like a gun line gets list um we were talking about the shooters before about like spreading across the board and using them for board control this is more like you stand in a big blob and like shoot um kind of style of shooters use it's uh not really the board control we're looking to like shoot something off and then horror gassed off the rest of the unit that's the plan would you go for something like purple sun just to get the extra minus one ren somewhere and it's like even more pew pew um you could take out I, if you're going to do that you would probably take out scuttle tide um and then chuck in purple sun so you have spell portal horror gas and purple sun um because usually the horror gas um even if you don't chuck it through the spell portal can often get in range so you'd be chucking the the um, purple sun through the spell portal um and then popping it out the other side just within six for the minus one to save yeah obviously yeah. you'd have to pay the points for it because you can't get purple sun for free but yeah but yeah. but the, the the concept would be if you're super investing in that getting the extra rend on the shoot even like the gobble pollutions don't stack the rend, rend minus one from the shooters another rend minus one from the purple sun that's rend minus two 120 shots from those 20 sorry 60 shooters oh equivalent obviously there's netters in there but uh and also shout out we've also had someone draw up the cad around returning models and it looks like uh according to the cad you can feel it bring back 30 models so thanks for the validation yeah with some with yeah. some tweaking and some like board positioning and being smart yeah you can maximize it if you got them like five together yeah it's not happening um yeah i dig it i dig it this is definitely a different type of list um and a, a great way to showcase shooters which have rarely seen play like a lot of people had them as like backboard protectors at best this is now really turning them into an offensive um uh, piece 
And yep. you know what? Even if you switch the bad snatches over to King's Gits, then you can start regenerating them a bit better um, if that's your more your style. Yeah, there's all sorts of tweaks we could do here. Like um, if the Goblapalooza does get nerfed, you probably drop one of them um, and I think you probably just chuck in another unit of 20 shooters in instead, which might be yeah. just better anyway. Um, and if you're taking uh, if you're taking King Skits instead of Bad Snatchers, you'd be looking to put um, Cogs in there for the reroll to cast, um, which is definitely a valid way of going about it. Um, we could also do stuff like drop the Trog Boss and make the Fungoid Cave Shaman the general and that way we can give him like the plus one to cast um, artifact and then maybe um, the loon touch so he can cast an extra spell or we can do master of magic so he can re-roll the cast. Um, yeah, all sorts of tweaks we can do here, yeah. but this is kind of the the template. Yeah, yeah, and, we, and, we, and, you know, and it, it, people know this by now, but I'll say it again. This is not the one way to play gits. We're presenting ideas and ways for you to build around and you take it and run with it how you want to run with it. Um, you know, like if you're going to drop the tro the trog boss as your general, you maybe don't want to take chasing the moon. So again, mm -hmm. a lot of ideas, but we're kind of showing you the thinking behind what we do, which then actually will lead me to the way I ran a list. So last weekend I went four and one at a little 30 player event, and this was my list. So I ran a loon boss on Mangler Squig as the general, fight another day, and the loon teeth, uh, loonstone teeth caps. Uh, I did Scraggy. I did the Squig Boss with the Nasha Squig. I also did a Fungoid Cave Shaman with Moonface Momet, Issue Nuisance, and Tunnel Master. Had a Loon Boss, 36 Squig Herd, 10 Boingrop Bounders, 40 Stabbers, 10 Hoppers, and a Gobapalooza with the Hand of Gork. So I was susceptible to anything that required that Indomitable. Uh, luckily, I didn't face any because I was at 19, 95, six drops. Um, it was interesting. Again, I wanted to go all in and just test the Loon Boss and see at its full potential, right? I put on the command trade. I put on the artifact. I put it in its uh, sub-faction. Can you impress me? And like Shania Twain, that don't impress me much because <laughs> it's a lot of investment, a lot of investment that could go somewhere else. But uh, it was valuable. The Squig Herd absolutely slapped. The Boingrop Bounders were fantastic. The stabbers I really enjoyed, and even if I was running uh, a spider or a trog list, I can see value in running the stabbers. I really do like them, but I do want to try the, I do want to try the uh, the shooters. But just being able to contest objectives within nine, which means that I get more bodies on the objective because a block of forty is quite generous. Um, I really enjoyed the 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 tunnel master moment. But as you said, if we lost Tunnel Master, I probably wouldn't do Moonface Momet. Um, what else? Gobapalooza, while it was really good and quite helpful, I think I really suffered from not having um, the sneaky stuff, the sneaky mm. snufflers. Um, and if I ran this exact list again, I think I would swap the the snufflers in for Gobapalooza. Um, what else? I really enjoyed the hoppers, even as a unit of 10, being able to just get objectives early, do some chip mortal wounds, um, generally harass. And once the Boingrop bounders and the loon boss came in and you know, deleted, they could then go around and start setting up the next combat or start securing backfield objectives, uh, objectives that are now freed up. Um, I, I, I quite liked it actually. I thought these kind of worked really well, although I, I was not impressed with the loon boss on foot. I think, I think his, his, uh, his command yeah. ability on, on the stabbers, not very good, but on like the Boingrots, I think very good. Yeah. I think with the, the loon boss on foot, he really needs like, 
either he needs the tunnel master or he needs like the cloak um to kind of get around because he's really slow otherwise um and in this army like because we're running squigs that have run and charge we don't really want to be using like the auto six run on the hero to make sure he's in range you kind of want to use that on the squigs so often these sorts of like little heroes are, are difficult um to get in range um yeah, but I think that tweak you made with the the moving the gobbles for snuffers would be great because that'd also get you to to nineteen sixty right. So you'd have like a better battleshock mm. triumph bid, um, which I would worry about a little bit with the squeak herd because they can't take inspiring presence. So once you're losing like twenty of them, they're just dead, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the the idea was the loon boss was there to support the uh, the stabbers, but. Mm. The amount of damage the stabbers did was just unimpressive. Uh-huh. So I think to your point, I could have Scragrot sitting there or the Fungoid Cave Shaman there supporting them, and the Loon Boss could either be supporting the Hoppers or the st- the Boingrots, or just dropped it completely or retooled mm. as you said, not the Nightflyer cloak. That this is just three list ideas that we kind of wanted to present to you. And again, you know, take it w- with what you want, go see the other video that we talked about with the dank hold and the spiders. There's been plenty of moon clan lists where they've had like the Arachnorok, you know, spider as well, which, which is a great little monster hero. Um, there's a lot of cool ways you can kind of build this army up and it does work better now as a soup, as opposed to where previously it rewarded you to be in your, in your little silo. Hmm. Yep. We've talked a lot and there's still like a million questions I could ask you, but I'm going to, I'm not going to do that. I want to ask some, some parting final comments, Stu. And if people want to like, listen more, uh, you do have a YouTube channel again, go check it out. Link is down below. Stuart, the iron gutsman McAllen. Um, go check it out. Good channel. Uh, videos coming up later. As you mentioned, a bit of a tier list, but how do I win? I've gone four one. You've gone four one. Uh, there's obviously really top tier builds that could be, you know, tweaked. But imagine I'm a new Gits player. What what advice would you give me now that I'm a new player picking up this army? Super excited to run whatever I'm running. So I think generally um, the the way that a lot of builds are going to work at the moment is you're going to have like one thing that you build around so if you're running your trogs you might build around a unit of like nine fell waters or nine trogs if you're running your squigs maybe you build around your 30 hoppers and then you want to find the the key synergy pieces that build around that so we've kind of talked about like the squig boss the snufflers the loon boss gobapalooza you stick those units around them um and then what you're looking for is to to find some kind of like solo operator units um because you don't want to be in a situation when we're, we're taking these big threats where your opponent chucks like a gun hauler on an objective and you're like, oh, I've got to send my 30 hoppers to do, go deal with the gun hauler. Like you don't want to be in that situation. So with this army, well, we want to make sure that we have some some like solo units that we can send out to do like the dirty work while the, the hoppers go and do the fun stuff, right? You want maybe like your sneaky unit of like small Boingrots, um, coaches list had, had like 10 hoppers in there, right? That's like a nice little solo operator unit. Um, and this is where you can have fun with the modeling side of the hobby because there's heaps of viable solo operators. You can just pick the one that you like the look of the most and just try and make them work. Um, so maybe you take your nine rock gut trogots, and then after that, you're like, you know, I'm really feeling like I want to take a unit of five spider riders, you know, paint them up real nice. Um, well, and then you can use where- them there. 
That's where yeah. the little Gargan, I think, comes in. The little Gargan is a great little solo operator mm. that, that can do it do its own little thing. It can synergize well, but if not, let it be on the flank, be free, go do your thing. Yeah, yeah. So there's heaps of freedom there. Um, one thing I'd say with this army going forward is we I think we know that there's gonna be some some nerfs. Um there's gonna be some, some facts or some battle scrolls coming out. So um to prepare yourself for that. Um, you might find early on, you find the one, you, you know, you might find 30 hobbits. It's like, this is the best thing I've played in ages. This is amazing. But I encourage you to go and try some other stuff in the book. Because if the hoppers get nerfed, you're going to want something to fall back on. So maybe you go try your fanatics, you go try your shooters, you check out some trogs. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that you can experiment in this book. Because overall, the, the level of the book is like pretty high. Um, so you can try about a bunch of different stuff. It's going to work and you can just have heaps of fun with it. Yep. A thousand percent at that tournament. I, I was so impressed with Squig Herd. I found myself on the website going to order three more boxes because I already had 36 before this book. And I'm like, oh, I'd love another. You did a 36, another Squig boss. They're like, no, just wait. Just wait to see what the new landscape looks like. But I think you're right. And that's why like, I normally run mostly Moon Clan. I wanted to revisit Squigs again. I almost pulled out my Squig Gobber, the old Forge World Squig Gobber <laughs> and the Colossal Squig. I was yeah. this close. I was going to Gobber Palooza with the with the, um, the Gobber Palooza <laughs> with the Squig Gobber. And I was going to do like, uh, I was going to drop the, uh, hell, I could drop the Loon Boss or Mangler Squig for a Colossal Squig. Uh, I just yeah, 18 yeah. wounds of pain, like play around. You're right. Like play around with it, see what you like. And then as the meta kind of shifts and erratas come through, you're not fixed to one particular build. And, you know, you cry a little cause you, you bought 72 squig herd that now are nerfed. So um, yeah, I, I think, I think to your point, it's about like knowing your buff ranges. So knowing where your bad moons are going to be and anticipating what you, what's going to happen if you fail that chart, that, that one to three, and it doesn't move out of your quadrant. Um, knowing your ranges, uh, especially in like a squig build, because you're so fast, you can get yourself out of them pretty easily. Um, but it's just a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy squigs. I ran I, and even grots. I love them in in the first book, and I still mm. love them today. Yep, yep. I think uh, in in the next few months, the the way we the way we should do it is just treat it as like a festival of gits. Just just enjoy everything that the new book has to offer um, and learn learn the fundamentals of the army. And then I'm sure eventually we'll settle on, you know, a net list once all the nerfs have come out and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Final question from the chat is, uh, do you think there is any secret tech hidden in spiders? And then we'll wrap um, it up. Yeah, not the big ones, but I like the small ones. <laughs> spider riders? Spider riders and the scuttle boss. Um, and I still quite like the, the web spinner shaman on Arachnorok. But in terms of the flinger and the... Arachnorox and the scuttle, the uh, what, what's it called? The skitter strand, the skitter strand, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, th those ones I'm I'm less hot on, but the small spiders put them like giving them like maybe the spore splatter buff for plus one attack, and then the two ways to make them do extra uh, extra mortals when they roll sixes. Um, yeah, it can be it can be pretty good. Um, but as I would say with with spiders, the always pr the problem has always been can you roll fives and sixes? Because if yeah. you can't not going to work <laughs> it's like crawl boys I, isn't it so yeah i think i think spiders are just in the wrong time at the moment the meta isn't built for them if we were in like if this was like six months ago when it was like super elite people were avoiding their gvs and and putting you know uh elite battle line as their like yeah maybe maybe this might be their world but right now i feel like in the current gc meta um it's probably not mm. their time to shine at the moment 
Yep. So probably what you mostly see is the 65-point cheeky lad with with Tunnel Master. That's probably the Spider Fang contingent for a lot of lists. But anyway. I love him. <laughs> Stu, give some shout-outs. Any, any if people want to hear more from you and, and want to see some of your great – like you, you, you got a green, green track – crack uh, green crack. You're talking too much today. Green crack video. You've done a couple of other videos. Uh, give yourself a shout-out and uh, any people you want to thank. Yeah, so um, you can obviously go check out my YouTube channel. I also did um, the Miscast podcast this week. So we did a, a an episode on focusing on um, adapting to meta changes, um, which might be useful to check out once like some nerfs come out for this book because we cover that. Um, so you can go check out the Miscast podcast. Um, and yeah, that's uh, th- that's all the, the shout outs I have. So link down below to go see Stuart's uh, YouTube channel. Highly recommend checking it out. Thank you for hanging out. I hope between this video and the other video where we focused on the trogs and the spiders, you have a good robust thinking around the way that top tier players are thinking about their uh, their armies. And you've got some new ideas, regardless if you want to build spiders, trogs, moon clan or squigs, or you want to super, you want to go all in. Hope you've got plenty of ideas. Now, as I've mentioned right at the top of the show, this is pre-errata. So who knows what's coming out? We'll obviously revisit this when the erratas come out and uh, some of the discussion may will be enhanced. Some of it will be, well, Squig Herd are now bad because they've super nerfed them like they did with dragons three times. Yep, yeah, yeah. Please don't dragon my squigs. You overs, <laughs> you owe us for 18 months of trash. Just let me have six months in the sun, please. Yeah. All right, I, I, do, that, I do miss the old. Uh, I do miss the old underdog story, though. I do like a good underdog story, which is how the, the book used to be. So maybe we'll get there one day. Anyway, yeah, just just leave us alone, Stuart. Thank you so much, chat. Thank you so much, people who watch this on the replay. Thank you so much. Let me know in the comment section, legitimately, what you think about the book. What are the combinations you're finding? How you're thinking about it? Is there things that we didn't talk about that you think is worth discussing? Leave it in the comments. You know how it is. Stu, thank you for your time. Thank you, everyone. And uh, let's go to the outro. See everyone. Bye. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.